Hey guys, uh, a quick message before we start this week's episode. Last weekend, one of my dearest ranger friends uh, living in Sweden passed away. Christina was one of the most passionate ranger fans I had the pleasure of meeting. Uh, she and her husband Lars and little girl Ellen took me to my first ever SHL game in Sweden. I would like to dedicate this episode to her. Christina, you will be missed by everyone. All right, on to the episode. Let's see, we're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call, that's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! And welcome back to Under Review. I'm Greg, he's Steve, and this is August the 4th, 2019, on this lazy Sunday. What's up, Steve? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, well, I'm not feeling 100%. Um, went on drinking on Friday, and I reached that age where I need to recover the whole weekend. Um, but it's Sunday afternoon, I'm drinking water. I'll, I'll be good to go Monday morning, but um, that's been an interesting week. Um, I received the uh, uh, game-worn... KHL All-Star jersey of Vitaly Kravtsov in the mail on Wednesday from the Russian tractor fans that approached me on Instagram a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, so it's been a good week. We had some action on the Rangers too with the buyout, which uh, that that's that that whole saga was was just hilarious. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about that because it, it basically happened the day that we dropped our podcast, so um, we haven't talked about that, but. Uh, well, kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, people thought that the buyout window would start Monday because Bujnevich was signed on Friday, but because the contract was only submitted to the front office after 7 p.m. on Friday, the 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 window was moved up to Wednesday, and nobody knew. Everyone on Twitter, on 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 Facebook, on Instagram, all the beat writers, they all thought that Monday was the day. Yeah, so, I mean, we all we all thought that. And then uh, uh, Monday was going to be the the start of the forty eight hour buyout window. And then on Wednesday, when nothing happened, everybody was panicking. Everybody was like, "Oh, so we're not buying out anyone." And then I think ten minutes after the the what was supposed to be the deadline uh, passed, uh, the first reports came in that the buyout window hadn't even hadn't even opened. It was. I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. Larry Brooks, uh, Brett Sergalis, Rick Carpinello, they they all assumed that the bio window was from Monday until Wednesday, but it only opened on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty funny and yeah, then of course we heard that the buyout was uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, which I'm not a big fan of for more than one reason. Um I'm definitely not a big fan of it. But I guess we'll have to you know, accept the fact that the guy who signed here on a discount to play for his childhood favorite team um, only lasted for two years, as sad as that may be. Yeah, that's pretty depressing, actually. If you, th- if you think about Kevin Shattenkirk's life, you know, he comes back home to play for his favorite team, takes a discount, you know, uh, 
hurts his knee and, you know, has to deal with Levin Yo and th- that thing. Oh, actually, let's even take that step further. They ship off Ryan McDonough, right? Like, he doesn't even really get a chance to play with Ryan McDonough because that never, that he never got the matchups he wanted. Then he got hurt. And it's just like, it, it kind of is a nightmare of a, the last two years for Kevin Shattenkirk, you know? Yeah. Matter of fact, I'd even go further back. It's like, you know, he, he gets traded from, from Washington and wins the Stanley Cup. And same thing with St. Louis. They win the Stanley Cup. And it's like he just kind of misses those windows with the teams he was on. And then he signs with his childhood favorite team for a discount and uh, wants to play with Ryan McDonough. That never, you know, the coach never let that happen. Ryan eventually gets traded. He's seeing the team go from, oh, are we still a playoff contender to what are we doing? Hey, you're you're rebuilding and blowing this thing up. And, ow, I got hurt. And now my knee is kind of, you know, crappy right now. And. You know, that's going to take a while to get right. It's just, I, I, you got to feel bad. For, let's just call it what it is. You got to feel bad for the guy. You really uh, do. Like, he yeah. really, he really, like, everything that had, could have went wrong for Kevin Shattenkirk went wrong. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I know it's a business decision. Um, and for the immediate cap relief, it was probably the best decision um, with, with only the $1.4 million uh, cap hit for this upcoming season um, by buying out Shattenkirk instead of Smith or Stahl, they basically put themselves in a, themselves in a position where they are now under the cap. They have one million in cap space with some, some players they can send down. It puts them at three point eight million uh, to sign Lemieux and D'Angelo, um, which is. Uh, which is a great situation to be in, c- considering where we c- where we're coming from, um, and it also gives Gordon more leverage in the negotiations if teams are interested in a guy like Chris Kreider. You know, we no no, no longer have to sell Kreider for pennies on the dollar because we're over the cap. Um, so from from if if that was uh, the the point of view, if if that was the uh, uh, the reason why they bought out Chetinkirk, I can sort of get it. Uh, because with the one move, you you get you basically get rid of all your problems. Um, but that cap hit next season is going to kill us. Six million. Yeah, ca- six yeah, I, don't, million I, I don't think enough people hit. are really. I don't think enough people are really um, hammering that home. I think we're so focused on 2019-20 that people forget that that cap next year is going to. I mean, we have so much money in dead cap next year, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, six million. For Shattenkirk, three hundred thousand for Spooner, which is that's 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 nothing, and then one point one million for Girardi still. Uh, but the six million for Shattenkirk for a guy who's no longer on the team, that's massive. You you can you can basically say that you that you have Libor Hayek on the team for six point eight million, for a six point eight million cap hit. That's basically right, or, or, or or any rookie for that for that matter. Yeah, you, you basically have a rookie on the team for almost seven a seven million dollar cap hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it this the immediate cap relief is is probably the big reason why they did it. Um, but Shattenkirk wasn't even the worst defenseman on the team. If we look at the three guys that were buyout candidates, according to everyone, Smith, Stahl, Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk was probably the best player out of the three. I actually agree with that, and, and, and I'm, I'm I'm happy you brought that up too, because I think that there are a lot of Ranger fans out there who disagree with that, who think that Kevin Shattenkirk was 
uh, were the worst defenseman of the three. And I think that's a horrible take. I don't think he was. I think now, yeah, the, the, the knee injury did, um, you know, took a while for him to get going. Sure. But I mean, he, but if you look at his, if you look at his production point wise, um, ad- advanced analytic wise, he was not the worst of those three. He was no. the best of those three. No. And, and he, he has never been a shutdown defenseman. So that's not how I judge him. But, I mean, he still had 28 points uh, in 73 games this past season. Uh, had some injury problems down the road. Uh, like, in, in the two years, he was in New York. Um, so I understand that there was some concern about him. But, I mean, I knew that Mark Stahl was never going to be bought out because the organization values him in, in other ways. Um, and I guess Brendan Smith will be demoted to Hartford. Yeah, Brendan Smith has to get demoted. I, I think Bolesky and and Smith are going to be in Hartford no matter what we do at this point because they're going to give us some more some more relief too by 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 basically burying them in Hartford. So yeah. that's that's for sure. The question that I have now is, would buying out Smith plus buying out Stahl have been the better solution? Um, personally, I I would I would do. I, look, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have bought out anyone because I hate having players uh, on the books for years when they are not playing here. Um, if if I had to buy out someone, I would have bought out Mark Stahl um, just because of his on-ice performance paired with uh, what the buyout looked like. It was a much more a, a much better buyout for the Rangers in terms of what the cap hits were. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rangers, this is the first time they used a buyout outside of the regular window. Um, a team can only use three buyouts during the uh, duration of the CBA outside of the normal window. Um, and this was the first one for the Rangers. So they could have bought out three in total. Um, I don't think it, it's a good idea to buy out all three, but um, no, yeah. they don't. They don't need to buy out all three. But they don't need to buy out all three, but there were better options than buying out Shattenkirk. That's, yeah, they could have totally bought out Smith and Stahl, and that would have been fine. Yep, and then uh, kept Shattenkirk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and uh, I mean, there, there were there were options there, and and Gordon went with the Shattenkirk buyout for the immediate cap relief. Which gives us options this year, and I guess that he—I guess they're banking on having a lot of uh, players on entry-level deals next year to offset the six million cap hit. And I actually get that. I mean, there's there's a possibility that Keandre Miller can play next year, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. There's a possibility that you know um, Tony D'Angelo is not on this team moving forward past next year. You know, we, he can he could definitely be traded because there's also a lot of rookie defensemen coming up. Who knows with Rykov and, and, you know, and who knows with, you know, Libor Hayek. So there's definitely a, a pipeline of rookies to make it to make sense in that aspect to say, OK, we could deal with some money. So, you know, some dead cap space, um, some dead, dead cap money, I should say. Mm. And it's OK because we have rookies in the pipeline that can offset that during the duration of the, the, the buyout. Yeah. That's fine. I, I understand that. 
the problem that I have, and I think you have the same problem, is that Kevin Shattenkirk wasn't the worst player of the three. And he made the and, – and, and on top of that, you also say it was the worst in terms of structured buyout because you have so much money in dead cap for, for 2020 to 2021. Yeah. So for me personally, I, I think – now, I, I, I know why Stahl didn't get bought out, and I think it's a shit show for the Rangers. I mean, you're, you're basically saying, oh, well, yeah, he's a nice guy and good to the organization, so we're just going to keep him for the fucking sake of it. And it's like, no, you know, Shattenkirk is the better player between him and Stahl. You should have bought out Stahl. Now, I would even argue if you don't want to buy out two players, you could have – I'm sorry. I still think that you could have sold on Nemesnikov for – you know, you could have ate, you know, 20%. I mean, uh, 20%, 25%, maybe even 50% and still gotten a fifth-round pick fourth round pick something for him which i think they eventually will get that so um i just don't think that nemesnikov is a non-movable contract the only one i would have probably not moved right now is um chris Kreider, um simply because the rangers didn't have any leverage and teams know they had to go under the cap so they're going to sell you Kreider for pennies on the dollar i don't want to do that so i'd rather say cool let me get myself under there and 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 regain my leverage yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. And, and when, I, when I was talking about guys on entry-level contracts, I wasn't necessarily referring to defensemen, um, but also forwards. If a guy like Kravtsov is replacing Chris Kreider next season, um, you, you basically replace the $4.6 million uh, contract of Kreider with, a, with an entry-level contract for Kravtsov. So that's already $3 million. That, that, that's already half of the, the Shattenkirk cap hit. That you, that you sort of makes make make room for. Um, Nemesnikov will be will, will no longer be on the team. Beleski will be gone. Um, so they they can fit six million on the uh, they they can they can fit it into their uh, into their salary cap. My problem is twenty the the, the next season next year 2020, 2021 was for a lot of fans was it supposed to be the season where the rangers make a push again no where they try to not just make the playoffs but make noise in the playoffs with the shattenkirk buyout we can we can wave goodbye to that scenario i'm telling you right now because a team cannot have seven million in debt in in debt money on the books and be and be a competitor it doesn't happen that way yeah, at that point, you're expecting all your rookies to, to be solid contributors, and that's just not realistic at this point. So 2022 is probably the earliest uh, we, can, we, can, we can realistically expect this team to be a contender. Yeah, I, the, I, actually agree. I actually agree with that. After the Seattle expansion draft that year, Smith, Stahl, Lundqvist all come off the books. You get a lot of cap space. The, the Shattenkirk buyout goes from $6 million to $1.4. Um, at that stage, you only have $2.5 million on the books in buyouts. Who's the other one? Is it Girardi still? Uh, Girardi, $1.1 million, yeah. Until <sighs> Girardi has that, one... That, that Girardi buyout is killing me. Girardi's on the books for $3.6 million this upcoming season, and then three years in a row, $1.1 million. That was such a terrible buyout. Yeah, yeah. The Rangers are uh, probably the only team in the league that currently have four buyouts, uh, um, like like 
on the books. Not so much in cap hit because Brad Richards doesn't count against the cap, but Rangers still pay him. Um, but it's uh, Spooner for two years, Shattenkirk for four, Girardi for four. And then, of course, Brad Richards, who um, I think he gets 1.1 million until 2026. Uh, at least it doesn't count towards the cap, so that's fine. No, no, but it's still money going his way. I mean, every year on July 1st, Brad Richards has a, has a little party with, uh, with uh, Rick DiPietro. Yeah, right. They, they, they probably get together, uh, book a suite in New York City and trash the place because they, they can pay for it anyway. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty true. And there was this, uh, you have to help me here because I'm not a big baseball guy, but there was apparently a baseball player that was bought out by one of the New York teams that gets paid until like 2030. Uh, Bonilla or something? Oh, yeah, Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, he, he's getting paid forever. Like he, He's basically being pe- paid by the New York Mets for probably the duration of my life. Okay, okay. Uh, Bobby B- B- Bonilla, because every time I mention the the Richards and Di Pietro thing, someone on Twitter says, "Oh, this guy, this guy Bonilla is probably joining them." Like, okay, okay. Oh yeah, he's but, he's getting he's getting paid for he's getting ba- he's basically getting a check royalty check for himself for the next like thirty years. <laughs> amazing, amazing! Yeah, how yeah, how awesome is that, right? Yeah, just send me send checks in the mail, dude. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, uh, is it? Yeah, if it's like like until two thousand thirty, like like Di Pietro or two thousand twenty six, like Richards. I don't know. But um, every year on July first, it's uh, there's a lot of money being paid out to players who are no longer on the teams. Yeah. So moving forward, I guess we can say let's you know nothing. You know, I think we've said everything we need to say about the Kevin Shattenkirk you know uh, buyout. It is what it is. Deal with it move on at this point uh, bitching about it is really just gonna is wasting our oxygen really so let's try to be a little more productive with this so um are we 100 percent sure that the new york rangers now that we've said okay we're gonna bury some money in, in next year are we 100 percent still rebuilding um, I've heard people say that it's not a rebuild. It's now called a build, which is, I mean, it's the same debate as, as, as saying it's not a rebuild. It's a retool. I don't care what you call it. Are, if, are you contending? Yes or no? Are the Rangers contending this season? Yes or no? I don't think so. If the answer is no, then we're building or rebuilding or retooling or whatever we are doing. Maybe, maybe we'll call it renovating the team. I don't care. I don't care. If we are not competing for the cup, if we are not a playoff team, I like that one renovating. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're renovating. We're, the we're, team. Reno- we're renovating the lineup, guys. Uh, we're getting rid of all the old furniture and try to move the new stuff in, but nobody wants to pick up the old furniture, so we have to leave it in our in our front yard. <laughs> um. <laughs> like like a fucking garage sale. <laughs> it's a garage sale, but nobody's showing up. <laughs> Anybody want a broke? Anyone want a broken stall? Uh, <laughs> not really. I gotta. Yeah. I already got. I already got enough broken players. Oh, okay. We have this amazing new recliner with like this flat screen TV built in. That's Capo Caco. <laughs> uh, and if we want to use it, we have to move the old couch out. And I guess we will have to put it in the basement for now until until someone comes and pick it and picks it up in two years. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what we're doing with a buyout. We're just we're using our our basement as like the dead yeah. cap. Like, oh, just store stuff down there. But, man, I want to make it a cool area. Yeah, but we can't. We got to get rid of this stuff. Yeah, there's no man cave for you the next two years because this shit is still in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's actually pretty funny. So yeah, if, uh, if we are not contending, then then we are then we are rebuilding in my book, and that's fine. I mean, we were contending. Our window was from from. 2010 until realistically 2017. I think I think it stopped when we. Uh, I mean, the last time we made the playoffs, we made it to round two. We almost made it to the conference finals. We were we were still contenders in 2017. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I would agree with that. So we've been rebuilding for like two years. You could say a year and a half because some people say it started with the letter. I'm, I I could probably agree with that because. A rebuilding team does not sign Kevin Shattenkirk to a four-year deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's been two years. Uh, there are teams in the league that have been rebuilding for 10. Look at Buffalo. When was the last time Buffalo did something in the playoffs? At when, when was the last time they were in the playoffs? That is all that is, is probably 10 years ago. I mean, like... Make noise. I mean, how, how about make the playoffs? So, yeah, you're yep. totally right. I mean, some, some teams are forever rebuilding. Yeah. Um, if you look at uh, Minnesota, Minnesota is like, they're like the, the in-betweeners. They, they're, they're never good enough to do something in the playoffs. They're never bad enough to get a high pick. No, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're the uh, epitome of mediocrity. Like, they, they'll squeak in, you know, they'll, they'll be an eighth or seventh seed, and yeah. that's it. And then they, maybe they'll win a game, and then they're out. You know, they're 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 entertaining, and then they're in and they're out. They're they're basically the stuffing, the stuffing of the NHL. Yeah, pretty much. Like like a filler episode. You know, you, you yeah. Need... They're all, they're like an appetizer at your at your your uh, when you're going out for dinner. Yeah, they're, you know, they're like that salad that's always on the table, but nobody ever touches <laughs> because they're steaks and. <laughs> they're... But... They're, they're the coleslaw of getting a burger. <laughs> they're the coleslaw of the NHL, yeah. Where you're like, yeah, I don't really want that, but it's there, but I don't really want it. There's like, like two or three people that, that try it, and then and then everything just tossed out. But yeah, but that's one of the teams that has been in the NHL for, well, when did they join the league? 2000? They've, they've, been, they've been in the league for two decades now. Yeah. Um, the most the most memorable thing the Minnesota Wild has done is I guess sign Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Yeah, and when they did that, they made the most noise. But you know, uh, they haven't really. And, and 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 would you consider those contracts successful? No. Okay, me neither. So. What well, now? Well, what did they have to show for it? Nothing. And and you know, and, and of course, not every team can be successful because there's only so there's only. There's 31 teams, and only one can can actually win something. Uh, some teams actually make it to the to the to the Stanley Cup final, even. Uh, but I think the Minnesota Wild and the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, they might be the only teams in the league that have never made it to the conference final. I think. I forgot about that. Um, I know Winnipeg. Did Winnipeg? Yeah, they made it to to the Western Conference final one year, I think. Uh, when they lost to, I think they lost to Nashville. Um, yeah, of course, Vegas in their first season. So yeah, the, Columbus, Columbus won a playoff series for the first time in franchise history this, this year. Isn't that wild? 
by sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's amazing. Or how about this? How how about how good San Jose has been for the for since their in, inauguration, really, ex- except for the first several years they were in existence. Oh, I mean, San San Jose has been a staple, and they haven't won a cup yet. No, but San Jose is probably uh, they they've they've been contenders for for over a decade, over two. No, decades. no, no. But what I'm saying is how hard it is to win the whole thing. Like they've been they've been one of the better teams for well over a decade now, and they can't get over that hump. So it's just. It's it's difficult. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but you know, San Jose made it to a Cup final. They have something to show. I know it's not the Stanley Cup that they they didn't win the Stanley Cup, but still, they made it to the final. They made it to like the big show. At least you have something to show for it. I when the, I, I agree. I, I agree. When the Rangers made the Cup final in 2014, I know they lost to Los Angeles. For me, as a Rangers fan, it was one of the most one of the fondest memories of the last 15, 20 years. Because, and probably it's different for me because the games are played at 1 a.m. Um, I stayed up for every single game and I made a lot of noise and my, I woke up my neighbor several times. Um, <laughs> but it was so memorable, that whole, that whole playoff run, you know, where uh, first round against Philly going to seven games, second round against Pittsburgh where you go down 3-1 and then... Uh, St. Louis' mom uh, passes away, and the team rallies behind that, and they they take it to Game Seven, and then beat beat the Penguins to go to the Conference Final. Then they then they beat the Montreal Canadiens, and they go to the Cup Final. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm watching the Rangers in a Cup Final. And even though they lost, I still have really good memories of that. And San Jose Sharks fans probably have really fond memories of the year they made it to the final, even though they didn't win it. You what do you think so? Yeah, I, I would agree. You would think so. So if you ask Minnesota Wilds fans uh, um, what, what their fondest memory is as, as a fan of their – I mean, what, what can it be? Signing Zuccarello? Yeah. Um, trade, <laughs> trading Nino Niederreiter for Victor Rask? Or I don't know. <laughs> um, I get, there are some, some success stories there in Minnesota, like Devin Dubnik. Um, like individual success stories, but as a team, they didn't really do anything. So if, if the Rangers are, let's circle back to the Rangers now, if the Rangers are rebuilding for three, four years, I'm okay with that. I would much rather spend three, four, or even five years building a team that is, that is like the Boston Bruins contending for a decade than to rush, rush through it, have one good year, and then slide back into mediocrity like Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anything you're saying is, um, is not true. I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. So I won't, I won't even argue with you on that. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I think let's just let's just shift gears here though, because I think that you know, like we, we can talk about this stuff forever. I just want, I was just trying to get an idea of like we, we I think we can both say that the Rangers are not going to be. I don't think they're cup contenders this year. They're probably like we like you said not cup contenders next year. So now the thing becomes is is this coming up season are we still are we looking at the 2020 draft and saying, you know, what what stud are we going to get or are we are we entering this and saying, "Eh, you never know, let's just play it out." Look, I I think I think we're going to get a, a top 10 pick again um because yes, we added Panarin and we added Truba but we're also losing Zuccarello for a whole season. We're losing Hayes for a whole season. Shattenkirk is gone. So, that, and, and yes, 
maybe D'Angelo and Adam Fox, you know, pick up the pieces and 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 replace that production. But I mean, who knows what happens with Chris Kreider if he's traded midseason? Um, a lot of things have to go right for for the rookies and like the the second or third year pro players to to replace the the guys you're losing. And I'm not just talking about points. I'm talking about about minutes on the penalty kill. I'm talking about leadership. If you're down three one, we we have had games where we were down three one in the third and we come back because we have guys who have that mentality where we you know where we just get back into it. And if you have a really young team, you're very vulnerable to um, like losing confidence. You know if you if you slip into a a five or ten game losing streak, how does that affect a team? that has five, six uh, rookies or second-year pros on the team. How does that affect them? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to get over that hump for guys like Zuccarello and Hayes and Shattenkirk than it is for guys like Kako, Kravtsov, and Fox. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and, it's a lot, it's, and it's a lot to ask for, your, for, for these, uh, these kids. Yeah, so like I said, a lot of things have to go right for us to be... For, a lot of things have to go right for us to be as good as last season's team. And that was a team that, that, that finished sixth from the bottom. Right. You want to be better than that. To, you have to be better than, than that to make the playoffs. I mean, how many games did we take to OT? How many, how many of those games that we took to overtime last season are we going to lose in regulation now? Five? Seven? That's five or seven points that you're not getting. So I, I'm I'm just not convinced that this is a team that that can make the playoffs. I I don't I don't see this as a fringe playoff team. I think this I, is a, a, another top ten pick. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with you on that. I know there's some Ranger fans out there who who don't think so, but I do. I think I think they're going to be. <clears throat> I think if everything goes completely right, they're you know knocking on the door. But, you know, that's asking way too much. You're really being super rosy on, on all your predictions. So I think that the Rangers are probably somewhere in the in where they were last year. I think yep. that's probably true. I think you're just replacing you're, – you're going to replace, you know, Hayes and Zuccarello with some of the kids in terms of production. And eventually you're going to move on from Kreider. So that's a negative there. Um, you've removed Shattenkirk, which we've talked about his wasn't that bad. You just wanted to, you just had to get under the cap, so you did it for financial reasons, and you're expecting, you know, Fox to do, you know, to beat Shattenkirk already. I mean, like, it's a lot to ask. So, I think if everything goes well, they maybe they are where they were last year. Matter of fact, you could you could actually argue they might be worse. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of things have to go right for us to be where we were last season, and that is still sixth from the bottom. Let's let's just say, for argument's sake, that that more things go right. You know, let's just say Elias Anderson is going to put up thirty-five points, and Hedl is going to put up forty, and Kravtsov comes in and puts up forty, and Kako is going to have an amazing rookie season. He's going to win the Calder and have a sixty-five points sixty-five point season. Let's say all of that happens, and that Adam Fox replaces Kevin Shattenkirk, and that Jacob Truba is playing like a true first pairing defenseman. So we'll be better than last year, but better than last year could still be a top ten pick. I I agree. 
if we are better than last year, it's not necessarily going to be, oh, we're going to make the playoffs now. I just don't see it happening. And it's not because I don't want to. I mean, if the Rangers make the playoffs, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch every game. I'm gonna I'm gonna take days off work so I can watch it in the middle of the night, and I'll I'll support them from the first second until the last. I just don't see it happening, and I'm not upset if they don't make the playoffs because I'm in this for the long run. I, I yeah, don't... I'm glad you said that. I I I think that's I think that's the right take. Yeah, I want to be the Boston Bruins of the 2020s, not the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes made the playoffs, I think, three times in the last 15 years. And each time they make it at least to the conference final. Does that make them a good, a good playoff team? Well, yeah, you could argue yes, but it's just a small sample size. It, it just makes them... It doesn't make them consistent. It just makes them, um, when they're in there, they're they're a strong competitor. But but the consistency is the issue. Yeah, and I don't want to be a team that makes the playoffs once every seven years. Yeah, I don't the, want to the, be that the, the Boston Bruins won a cup in 2011. They made it to the final in 2013. They made it to a final again this year. Uh, they made it to the conference final once or twice. On top of that, the Boston Bruins have been one of the most consistent teams. In the last decade, that's, Incredi- that's what I want. incredibly consistent, actually. That's that's what I want. If if you tell me now that in in the next decade we will we will make the cup final three times, we win it once, and we make two conference finals on top of that, where do I sign? Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. I would probably enjoy that more than um, than winning winning uh, two cups and missing the playoffs the other eight years. I know that's a hot take, but I'm serious. No, I think that's the right take, dude. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I don't think it's a hot take at all. I, 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 I'll, I'll support you on that one. I don't think it's a hot take at all. I'll, 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 I'll double it. I'll back it up. So if, if, if we have one more year where we are in the rebuild and get a top 10 pick, that's, that, that's, to me, that's, that's the best scenario. No and let's be time. fair, this, tw- this 2020 draft class is a stacked class. I mean, uh, there's a lot of really good players next year. Yep. I don't, I don't see a lot of teams giving up their first-round pick. Because of that, <laughs> it's that good of a draft. Yes. Mm. Of course, there will be like contenders will still give up their first round picks at the deadline to you know, put themselves over the top and go for it all. But I don't think you'll see teams in the early stages of the season giving up their first round pick. Mm. You might be right about that. We might be at that point, right, where teams are just not going to. I mean, we know how, how they feel about first-round picks in general, but we might be at a point now where they're even looking at this, um, this draft class for 2020 and they're even more uh, protective and selective about giving up that pick. Look, it, it took general managers more than 10 years to realize that draft picks are valuable because in a salary cap world, you cannot just sign your free agents every year and be, con- be a contender. It took them 10 years to figure that out. Yeah, so- isn't that the truth? It's amazing. Um, yeah, that's completely true. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, aside from the Shad Kirk stuff, and you know, 
possibly still rebuilding. I mean, we're, we are where we are, guys. I mean, we're, you know, Tony D'Angelo is, is not signed yet. Neither is Brent Lemieux. Uh, I assume those things will get taken care of soon. Um, we've got, obviously, you know, now that we've bought out Kevin Shattuck, there is cap space there. Um, I do have one question. Do you think the Rangers make one, get what, make one more move? Other than, uh, you know, obviously the two RFAs they have to, to sign. Do you think there's another move, like in terms of a player being moved this summer that will happen? Um, now that they don't have to anymore for cap reasons, I can, I can still see it happening, but not as uh, soon as we may have expected earlier. Um, they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they go into the season uh, with Kreider and Amesnikov and Strom on the team. Um, and then just take it to the deadline and see what they can get for them. So basically you think they're going to try to make Kreider now a rental at the deadline as opposed to trying to move him in the next, you know, several weeks? Yes. Mm. Are you worried at all that you're running the risk of him getting hurt between well, start of the season until February? Look, look, there, there are always risks involved. Um, there was a story last year, and I don't know how many hockey fans know this, but there was a football player in Europe, or soccer, sorry, a soccer player in Europe, um, who was uh, transferred from a, a French team, Nantes, to Cardiff City in the English Premier League. And uh, everything was signed already. Uh, the contract was signed. Uh, and the first installment was supposed, because they were paying it in three installments, I think. And they were planning on uh, sending the first payment. Um, and then on the way from France to the UK, the plane carrying the player uh, crashed and the player passed away, died in the crash. There's this whole debate now on whether or not they should still pay uh, the, the transfer fee because they never got the player and blah, blah, blah. Stuff, stuff can always happen. Um, Kreider can, can, can walk his dog next week and break his ankle. Um, That's true. I'm not going to worry about, about potential injuries that we have no way of knowing if they were, if they were happening or not. Um, Nils Lundqvist's injury looked really bad, uh, last week when, um, when he was playing in the summer showcase, eh, turns out that it's not that bad. He, he'll be back on the ice next week when the uh, preseason starts for his team in Sweden. Um, but it could have been much worse. He could have missed the whole season. Um, but yeah, I don't think that should be a reason to trade a player now as opposed to at the deadline. If, if Gordon thinks he can get more value for Kreider at the deadline, which is not unlikely. I mean, I sort of agree with that if, if Gordon thinks that way because a player like Kreider with a 4.6 million cap hit it's much easier to move at the deadline because his prorated cap hit will be much lower with only one month left in the season. Yeah. So, the one thing, the one thing I will say about that is I think um, to play the other side of the coin is that, you know, during the summer, more teams are thinking that they're going to be in it. They might be more interested in a Chris Kreider. Whereas by February, the teams that are hovering around and not really sure where they are, if they're out, they're out. You know, it's like you're lessening your pool, so to speak. Yeah, but all you need is two teams. All you, all you need is two teams that are interested in your player, and you can get something out of it. 
that's fair too. Um, and if you if you look at the teams now, um, the the teams that can that can afford him are probably the teams he does not want to go to. Because Kreider also has a uh, a no trade clause. He can submit a list of 11 teams. At the deadline, the teams that will be interested in Kreider are contenders. It's much more appealing for a player like Kreider to say, okay, I'll go to Pittsburgh for uh, for a couple of months, or Boston, or Toronto, Tampa. Whichever team is 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 top is is top of the conference in the West. I mean, sounds sounds a lot more interesting for a player than than you know accepting a trade to a team that might not even make the playoffs during the season. Yeah, I, I definitely buy that. Um, I mean, like I said, you are running risk, but you know you're trying to. I'm trying to mitigate that risk. You're saying, fuck it, who gives a shit? Um, yeah, that, that's fine. Um, I think we're both in agreement. Do you, are we both in agreement, though, that we think that Chris Kreider has, it, after February, will not be a New York Ranger? Yes. Okay. So you don't think there's any chance that the Rangers say, sure, let's try to work something out and keep you for the next five years? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, on the on on the other hand, I mean, if history t- teaches us something, is that general managers never learn. So there there, there, well, there was this there was this quote over the summer where I don't know if it was an actual quote or if it was like a joke, but uh, it's like a quote from a general manager that says, "I'm buying out this bad contract so I can give out a new bad contract." <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um. So yeah, I mean, if a team is willing to give Zuccarello a uh, a six-year deal, then I wouldn't be surprised if Kreider gets a seven-year deal thrown at him. But just like with Zuccarello, I will say happy for him, glad it's not with us, if that happens. Yeah, and and that's my thing is it's I actually it's it's weird when I, when I think of the Kreider thing. Like, let's hypothetically say that Kreider says, "Sure, I'll take a four or five-year deal." Done. I mean, I would, I would, I would say, fine. Let's sign you right now to, you know, six and change, or yep. you know, even at seven, I could, I could bite it. But so seven for four years, yeah. I could, yeah, I would do that. But the point, the point is, I don't think he's going to want to do that. He's going to want seven years. So, and that's what scares me is year five, six, and seven. Yep. I would yep. be willing to go to year five at the most, you know, and say, yeah, year five might be a whatever. I'll eat it, but I'm not eating three years. I'll eat a year of bad production, but not three. And that's where I get a little worried. Yeah. It's because of the style of game he plays that, you know, when he's 34, what's that game going to look like? Yeah, and, and, and especially seven-year deals are risky. Because seven-year contracts are also subject to potential uh, cap recapture penalties if the player retires before the contract's over. Oh, right. I never even thought about that. It, that's, you don't have that with contracts that are six years or shorter. Only seven or eight year contracts are subject to recapture penalties in case of retirement. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a risk. If you sign Kreider for six or seven years, it's a risk. Um, I'm pretty sure that there's more than one GM in the league that's willing to take that risk. I just hope it's not Gordon. Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope not either, to be honest with you. Because um, so, if, again, yeah. if history teaches us something, it's that the type of player that Kreider is doesn't age well after thirty. No, he doesn't. And so I, 
and I love Kreider. I mean, on, on HF boards, my username has been Amazing Kreider, man, for, for almost a decade now. <laughs> I like true. it. I forget I, about that. I like him, but I, at some point, you just have to realize that as a team, you have to move on. And I would much rather be the team that moves on a year too early than a year too late. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And Kreider can, can have two, three really good seasons for a contender. Um, we're just not in a position where we, where, we, uh, where we need a player like Kreider. If we were a contending team right now, then yes, sign him. Sign him to an extension and he can, he can bring you what you need. A team like Boston, to extend their window, would be a great fit for Kreider. Because they already have everything else in place. Yeah, I think you're totally right about I that. I mean, what, what, who do the Rangers have on the wing except for Kreider that has actually proven something in the NHL? Panarin. That's it. Yeah. Buchnevich, that's about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very limited wingers. Yeah, and then you have a bunch of rookies. and no. But, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting situation to see how it will unfold. Over the last, over the next couple of months, um, but yeah, we we know where we are now. Shatnikirk bought out. Um, still two players to be signed, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, nothing real, really else to to talk about in terms of the Rangers until we get this, until we sign Lemieux and um, until we sign Lemieux and then we sign D'Angelo and we see where we go from there. And maybe there be some trades. There might not be. We might just. This just might be your roster, guys. Yep. And uh, yeah, and I'm I'm really really looking forward to uh, seeing the um, the young guys on their entry level contract. See how they do in their second or third year. Because um, everyone is always uh, everyone's talking about Kako and Kravtsov, but I'm really interested to see how uh, Howden does and Hedl and Leas how they do uh, with another year of experience under their belt. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the the one thing I'll say about this upcoming season is it's going to be fun. You can literally look at this season and say we're going to have some fun because you can you can make an argument either way that hey maybe everything works out perfectly and they're a playoff team great. Um, everything doesn't work out perfectly, but the kids are having fun and they're growing and they're learning and we're looking at another potential lottery pick for 2020 in a stack draft great and everyone's growing great. Okay, like there are, I, it's it's for the first time in a long time. I I look at this upcoming. I mean, I I didn't really look at that next. Like like last year, I say, two seasons ago, coming into last year, I looked at it as, yeah, we'll see. We, you know, I knew they were going to be bad, but I, I didn't know how bad they were going to be. I hope they were going to be bad enough to get a top two pick, which they did. I mean, because of the lottery, and that's great. They were lucky now, enough to get a top two pick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lucked into that. Um, but now I'm literally looking at this season as let's just have fun and I don't you know throw everything against the you know throw everything against the wall and see what sticks and just have fun like I I really it for the for the first time in a long time I'm really gonna look at this season and it's whatever happens happens and I will not be upset about it even yep. if, if if the kids struggle I don't care if um we do well and we're a playoff team great if we don't hit those strides and we're, you know, we're losing games two one three two whatever. Like we're just, or I don't care. 
Like I really don't have too much expectations for next year. I, 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 whatever happens next year, I think I'm okay with as long as everyone stays healthy and as long as the kids get the ice time to grow. If those two things are checked, I'm fine with whatever result happens next year. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it'll be it, – it's, it's not just the Rangers that are interesting to follow. I mean, Hartford has a lot of new players on the team this, this, this upcoming season. Uh, I'm talking to uh, one of my friends, Joey, later on, uh, who goes to a lot of Hartford games and follows the team closely. He'll have some, some inside information too. But it's, it's interesting to see guys like Rikov, Reunan, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe Kravtsov spend some time in, in Hartford. Um, they, they added uh, uh, Greg McKegg, who will probably play the majority of the season in Hartford. Um, so yeah, some, some fresh blood on the team um, is, is a good thing. And the Rangers have taken their sweet time uh, finding a head coach and assistant coach for Hartford. Um, but yeah, they, they finally found him. Um, and now we can, can start looking forward to that as well. And of course, all the, all the prospects that are playing in Europe and in college and junior hockey, um, the Rangers are finally finally have a prospect pool that is that is worth a damn. Yeah, let's put it that way, because I remember a few years ago where uh, once you got to like the number four or number five on your list among prospects, you were talking about guys like. Uh, like Dylan McElrath or, or Ryan Gruff and like Ryan Gruff is, is still, you know, in the organization. Um, but I think Ryan Gruff, if you have to rank all the prospects now, he's probably not even top 20. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. With, with all the players we have, we have acquired through trades and drafting and, and, and undrafted free agency. We have added so many, so many young talent to our to our organization. It's pretty remarkable that that we that we managed to do that in the last two years. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the the uh, the job that Gorton has done. As much as I hate the Shattenkirk buyout, as much as I wish that Truba was a little bit cheaper, um, I, you know, I mean. Amazing job. I mean, like, I think, you know, I, I can't stress enough how much of how much of a good job that Jeff Gordon has done in his tenure as a as a as a Rangers GM. It's done a lot of good. I mean, you know, no GM is perfect, but the good far outweighs the bad. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. Um, yeah. Do you know when um, when Traverse City is? Is that in September? I I think it's in September. I don't know when, though. Okay, so Traverse City tournament September, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, preseason in Europe starts next week, so there will be some videos of our prospects all over Twitter again. That's when, for me at least, the season starts the, with the interesting stuff to follow. Right. Um, and then Champions Hockey League at the end of August, early September, and then Rangers preseason end of September. Where yeah, getting- I, I, I'm, I'm basically going to be out of the hockey mentality up until at least September. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take this month, and I'm just like, mm. I'm going to chill this month. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to be focusing more on baseball this month. Oh, baseball! Yeah, I've, I've, I actually started following baseball a little bit because uh, when I go to New York in September, I'm going to a Yankees game, which will be my first ever baseball game. So, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been watching a lot of highlights, trying to learn the rules. Um, 
I now know that an RBI is not called an assist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been calling it assists for like a year. Um, yeah, I learned that if you uh, if the ball bounces and goes into the stands, you can only go to second base and it's not considered a home run. See, I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, there's a there's a Dutch guy on the Yankees team, Didi Gregorius. So he's already my favorite player. Same nationality. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Didi, Didi's one of my favorite players. So yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to that Yankees game in September, and uh, of course the Rangers preseason games as well. Going to four out of the six. Which uh, ones are you going to? Uh, the home games against the Devils and Islanders, and then the road games against the Devils and Flyers. I'm going to Philadelphia for the weekend. Um, I have plans to go to Independence Hall, see the Liberty Bell. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch National Treasure before I fly, you know, to get in the, <laughs> get in the mood for Philly. <laughs> uh, that's actually that's actually uh, like low key. It's like one of my one of my wife's like favorite like cheesy movies. Oh, it's it's so cheesy, but it's so much fun. You know, it's yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's like a, a a PG version of Indiana Jones. That's exactly it. <laughs> so yeah philadelphia will be fun uh and then of course a game in uh in new jersey uh i went to a new jersey game back in, in february so i've already seen the arena but uh yeah, while i'm there i might as well go i mean it's what 15 20 minutes by train it's nothing what from from where to where uh from penn station to um the prudential center oh it's nothing yeah it's really easy yeah. to so i might as well go to that game as well and uh yeah It'll be fun, and then then the home games against the Devils and Islanders. Uh, seeing a lot of prospects play will be uh, will be fun for me because uh, preseason it's, it's mostly prospects, of course. Right. Um, yeah, and and hopefully the weather is nice in September. Um, last time I was in uh, I was in New York back in February. Oh, it was so freaking cold. I prefer. Yeah, it, it won't it won't be as cold in September. September is actually pretty warm. No. So yeah, I'm look, looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, the baseball, the baseball thing, it's uh, it's taken me some some time to learn all the rules, and but you know, I'm I'm getting better at it. Uh, I still consider it a uh, a simplified version of cricket. But I have no idea. Like I don't know. I know nothing about cricket. I I know more about golf. I know nothing about golf than I know if, about cricket. If you think baseball games are long. Um, there are uh, international cricket games. They are they call them ODIs, One Day Internationals. They last about eight hours. Oh, that's ridiculous. Um, do you know that's not even the longest game you can go to? The longest cricket game you can go to lasts five days. It's a full test match. I went to one once. I thought it was just a one day. And at the end of the day, I said to my friend, uh, Martin, lives in the UK. I said, oh, Martin, you know, it was a fun experience. It's not really my thing, but I'm, I'm happy that I at least got to see a cricket game. And he's like, oh, good, because we're going back tomorrow. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, this is a five-day international. Like, dude, no, 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 no. I want to do something else tomorrow. <laughs> the one that is day, crazy. That is crazy. One day was more than enough. <laughs> I think that the shortest version is uh, 2020, which lasts about three hours, same as a baseball game. Um, there's this, this British comedian, Jimmy Carr, that um, he doesn't like cricket at all. And he explains how, how cricket was invented. And he goes, so 
it was invented at rugby primary school in England in like the 1800s, where one day one of the kids forgot to bring the ball to school and they were all standing in a field and nothing happened. (laughs) It is a bit boring, but yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'll, I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll see how the baseball game goes, but baseball. Listen, ba- here's the thing about baseball. Um, it's it's not action packed like basketball or like or like hockey. Like uh, hockey and basketball, if you really want to be like f- uh, the four major sports, right in the in, in the United States or you know uh, at least in you know North America, so to speak, the four major sports really are baseball, basketball, football, hockey, and obviously depending on where you live. You know, one is going to be a little more popular than the other. You go to the South. Actually, you go most in America f- football or as you know, the American football, not soccer. Like that's the most you know popular thing. There are pockets of the United States where baseball is definitely still king. Um, New York is one of them. I think baseball is still the most popular sport in New York, even more than football. Um, in Boston, I actually think it's still that way. It's, it's still a baseball first town. Chicago is probably still a baseball first town. Um, St. Louis has a baseball first town. Um, and that's basically it, though. I think mean, once you get out of those four cities, um, mm. it tends to become very football heavy in the United States. Um, and then it becomes, you know, what's the, the next? And that's probably just basketball, generally speaking. Um, and then hockey's always on the lowest on the totem pole because that's just what it is, unless you're in Canada. That, that switches. Um, but basketball and hockey are fast-paced sports, so people can really just watch the action. Um, I would even argue soccer is the same way, or like you know your idea of football. Like soccer is a fast-paced sport; like it's back and forth, back and forth action. It looks people think it looks boring and slow, but like there's lots of the ball moving, you know, back and forth and passing around, and like it, it, it actually is pretty, you know, action-packed. Baseball is not that way, and even football. I hate saying it can 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 be that way too. Like American football can can definitely have a slow pace to it, where there's the clock and like there's timeouts and like they, it, 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 the you know, there's time in between each play. And baseball is very similar. There's time between each pitch, and sometimes there's time in between each you know batter and all of that. Like it's a slower paced sport, so it's not it doesn't have that action packed go 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 that like some of the other sports have. Mm. So I think that's where some of the the younger audience tend to lose that because they're just like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to have to sit here and think I want to be entertained 20, you know, like consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw a debate on Twitter that they're, they're, they put up nets now in baseball stadiums. Um, and someone commented on it saying, oh, great. For a hundreds of, for, for, for over a hundred years, nothing was wrong. But now that Tammy cannot look up from her phone to watch a game she paid for, we have to put nets in front of it because someone was hit with a ball or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a smart rule, actually. I mean, like, because the ball does get, you know, it, not even about paying attention to the phone, but just the ball, like, it, it can get the, it, it can, you know, ricochet off that bat real fast and just hit somebody in the head on a line drive. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, or or popped up and you don't know where it's going and maybe you, you, you know, you missed it and it hits you, like. Just, I have no problem with the with the nets. I think that's fine. Safety is always a priority for the fans. I mean, they, they, I remember when they put up nets in uh, in hockey arenas after that woman in Columbus was hit in the head by uh, by a puck. I mean, it's, it's safety first, you know. But yeah, well, have fun at the baseball game, dude. Uh, you'll I will. You'll, you'll have you'll have a blast. Um, I'll definitely chat with you before then, and you know, if you need any, if you need to learn baseball, you just ask me. I've watched it for. 35 years of my life, so 
pretty used to it. All right. All right. Well, until then, I think there's not much else we can talk about the hockey stuff. We'll just let you get into, uh, we'll bring your buddy on the show and we'll just go from there. All right. And we're back. We have uh, a very special guest on our show this week. Uh, some of you may know him from HF Ports as Joey Bones. Joey, how are you doing? Not too bad, man. How you been? I'm doing pretty good. It's, uh, you know, summer is always a bit boring, but you know, we'll get through it. Yeah, almost there. It's August. It's August, yeah. And we finally got some news uh, regarding the Hartford Wolfpack as well This uh, the, la- the last two, three weeks. So, you know, the, the waiting has, has, uh, has paid off. And uh, it was a great wait, too, because uh, Chris Noblock knows. I think it's pronounced Noblock. Um, you know, that's a very good developer for, uh, yeah. for these kids. So yeah. uh, it was a great hire. I've actually heard a lot of different pronunciations on the name. I guess if you, if you Americanize it, it's Noblock or something. But it's actually the German word for garlic. So living in Austria... <laughs> Uh, I know what it's pronounced. Well, what what you should, should pronounce it like in German, and it's a uh, knoblauch. Say that again, knoblauch. Uh, knop. And then knoblauch. Okay. Knoblauch. So you you have to pronounce the K in front of the N. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that everyone will go with knoblauch, and and that's fine. I mean, it's an Amer- it's Americanized, but. It's. Uh, I think it's pretty funny that we have Bretman on the Rangers and now a guy named Garlic coaching the uh, the Hartford Wolfpack. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's going to be someone similar to like uh, Step Boy Steve here that'll uh, go in depth on uh, the names and origins. So if, you're eventually going to see Leah Sanderson as you know Crybaby, or <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'll think of something. So right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yo, so so what do you think of the hire actually? Say again. What do you think of the hire? Because we, we were in, you were in need of a new head coach. Mm-hmm. And honestly, yeah. I don't know much about him. I know he was with the Flyers organization, but that's about it. Well, uh, you know, I wouldn't really take his Flyers organization as, as um, you know, his merit to, to this job. I feel like more so it was uh, what he did in Erie. Uh, he was a, a head coach over in Erie for some time, um, coaching for the likes of McDavid. Um, there was another one that on the top of, off the top of my head that, that turned out to be a, a very good player. Dylan Strom um, played for that team as well. Who? Dylan Strom. Dylan Strom. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say DeBrinket was on Erie for some time. Um, I could be wrong on that fact, but, um, no, he's a very good developer, uh, for these younger kids. Um, it was, it was Alex the Brinkett. Oh yeah. So he, he helped, you know, some of these superstars now turn into budding NHLers. So, um, he's, he's a very good get. And I feel like, uh, out of the forward core specifically, um, the uh, no block will, will definitely help in that regard. And, uh, if I'm, I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think Darren Radish played under him as well. Yes, he did. Yep. So he, he will see a familiar face uh, behind the bench when he uh, yeah. when he comes off the ice this season. Right. Um, and, you know, we on HF boards did this uh, prospect ranking, um, whereas, you know, everybody just kind of throws in their vote and makes their own prospect uh, list regarding, you know, who we see uh, 
you know, fit for uh, a stardom bid in the NHL and then other prospects that aren't, you know, as fitting for the role. But um, I know they had Darren Radish specifically on like the lower end of that list. And don't put it past him. He's a very good player. Um, you know, defensive side of the puck, he was, I think, paired with Sean Day when Sean Day was having his, you know, second half explosion mm-hmm. uh, in Hartford. So um, it was a very good balance between the two. You know, you have Day who likes to skate with the puck, likes to shoot, likes to make plays offensively. And you have Radish on the other end who, you know, can kind of pick up the slack on the defensive end. Um you know, when Shonday's pinching, he automatically goes back just in case there was a two-on-one break the other way. Um, and he knows how to break up plays. So defensively, Darren Radish is very underrated. Um, but with no block, knowing this, you know, familiar face, you could actually see Radish or even some of these other defensemen turn in uh, very good seasons for Hartford this year. Yeah, and he's, he's one of the older guys, of course, on the team, even though he's only 23. Um, yeah, he's still yeah. very well prospect. Yeah, yeah, we, we have so many defensive prospects already, and especially when you look at Hartford, the guys that are not as well known as as like the Adam Fox and Anthony D'Angelo and Libor Hayek type players. You have Brandon Crawley and Sean Day, you mentioned, Ryan Lindgren, uh, Joey Keane, who signed his entry-level contract earlier this year. Right. Uh, potentially Yegor uh, uh, Rikov, because he only has a European assignment clause for his second year. So the first year, there's a pretty good chance he, he will play at least some games in Hartford. Right. Um, so it's there, there, there's a lot of competition, uh, which is a good thing. Um, I just wish they would have uh, gotten at least one more experienced guy. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about what Hartford needs to do. And one of the things I mentioned is to get this like like really like star defenseman. And uh, one of the one of the uh, two of the players that I mentioned were Aaron Ness and Bobby Sanguinetti, um, but now they went they went with uh, Vinny uh, Loverdi, which uh, I, I know not a lot of people know him, but uh, I do know that he played in the AHL All Star Game, so he's he's one of probably one of the better players in the AHL on defense. Um, what, what what do you know about him? Uh, well, he's offensively gifted. Um, he'll definitely run a power play. Um, if I pull up my notes here quick, I can give you a little more in depth on Laverty. Um, he's older, he's 30 years old, so he's definitely veteran. Um, and also, uh, something that is very particular to his game, uh, is that he's a righty. So not only will, you know, Hartford look good on the power play specifically, um, he will also have that option on the right side that can, um, you know, throw pucks in front in a different angle rather than on the left side. So, you know, that's always good to have. Um, mm. But he's also more, I think he's more defensively oriented than he is offensively. So with that said, you're going to have somebody that can be a, a bit of a, um, a nuance in front of Hartford's own net. Um, for, you know, that'll help more so with uh, guys like Huska, guys like uh, Shesterkin if he's down there, um, even Tom McCollum, who they brought in on an AHL deal. Um, he, he's good all over the ice, and you can see that through his leadership skills. He was a captain for 
uh, three years with the Kings organization. Um, and then he was an assistant captain with Toronto this whole time. So, um, Toronto is in Toronto Marlies. Um, but yeah, we, you know, the Rangers brought in some guy who is going to be a force on the back end, both defensively and offensively. Um, his points don't really show for it, but he, he is a presence on the ice. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. Cause we, we needed a defenseman who, who brings at least some kind of, uh, uh, leadership and and uh, you know some experience to the blue line. Exactly, uh, and and he's he's made most of his money in the AHL, so he yeah. knows that league from the, like the back of his hand. So yeah. it's a good yeah, because good because in the past, of course, we had Wade Redden who spent a few years in Hartford. When under the old CBA, you could bury an entire contract by demoting a player. Yeah, of course, that's no longer possible. But if you if you go through old interviews with Ryan McDonough. Um, he says that that the guy he learned the most from was actually Wade Redden during the six months they they both played together in Hartford. You know, and that makes sense, despite how much Wade Redden was in like a big LOL. <laughs> um, you know, you, you know, you need that veteran presence to help bring in these younger players. And even though Laverde doesn't have any NHL experience, um, I'm sure that he can help at least in a, a mentorship role in in defending specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that's good. That that's, that's what you need. Um, do we have uh, uh, some of those players on the forward group as well? Because our forward group is also very prospect heavy. There's, there's uh, a lot, a lot of new kids that are affiliated to the Rangers, like Patrick Newell, who signed an entry level deal. Uh, of course, uh, Phil DiGiuseppe that the Rangers signed, who will probably spend most of the time in Hartford. Um, but are there any forwards that are on AHL deals that are worth looking out for? Um, well, for one, for starters, uh, you have Zolnerchuk, who is an NHL. I don't really particularly see him as an AHL player. Um, I see him as one of those, you know, um, black aces type, like always up and down, ready to play wherever type forwards. So um, it's but he's, a, he, he's, on, he's on an AHL deal, right? He's on AHL deal, yes. But I think that's kind of warranted to what he can actually do. Um, he had 51 points for Springfield last year. Okay, yeah. I, I, when, when I hear Zolnarchuk, I just think back of the uh, 2012 Road to the Winter Classic TV series that HBO had. He was on oh, the right. Philadelphia Flyers team. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what I remember when I hear the name Harry Zolnarchuk. Um, but yeah, it's good to have some experience on the team because last year it felt like it was just literally a group of kids that were just sent out there to play against grown men. Right. And, uh, you know, McCambridge, uh, the head coach at the time, really didn't warrant that at all. Um, it, it just seemed like a whole bunch of kids on a playground for some of the games. So um, it didn't it didn't work in developing and it didn't work in obvious wins. So, you know, these, this change of scenery is necessary because, you know, the, the Rangers are in, on a rebuild itself, quote-unquote rebuild. Um, if you have a team, an NHL team, that's not consistently making the playoffs, and then you have a Hartford AHL minor team that's also not making the playoffs, you know, these fans are going to, you know, start clicking on to the wrong trend, and that's how you lose a fan base. So we're it's good that, you know... They notice that Hartford needs a change of scenery. They're aware that 
you know, they're probably not making any revenue in Hartford. Um, seeing that there's so many rumors that, you know, the Hartford Wolfpack might actually move um, to somewhere uh, in a better location where revenue can, you know, start being a plus rather than a minus. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're, they're aware of the situation. They're changing the coaching staff. They're bringing in veterans that, that have at least known the AHL for at least five plus years. Uh, and they can also contribute. So you have um, Zolnerchuk, who is a 50-plus point player in the AHL. You have Laverde on the back end, who, you know, can show some some moves up front, but also be a mainstay on the, on the defensive side of the puck. And um, you have a, a minor league goalie in um, Tom McCollum, who, you know, can show competition for these younger kids coming in. Yeah, because we have the um, the two uh, Eastern Europeans, as I'll call them, Sjöstjörkin uh, <laughs> and, and Huska in that. Right. Sjöstjörkin, um, uh, of course, coming over from the KHL. Uh, the expectations are sky high for him, of course. Exactly. And rightfully so. Um, Adam Huska is, is still a pretty good goalie prospect as well. But again, you have guys that are 22, 23. You, you just need someone who, who can, you know... Who can take some some of the tougher games, um, and of course these kids are going to do something that they haven't done before: is play three games in three days. Right. Because yeah. the the weird Hartford schedule where they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday um, is going to be very uh, it's going to put a lot of strain on those bodies, and especially for the younger kids, it's going to take a lot of getting used to when when usually you play three games over the course of a seven day span. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see some new names, and hopefully it works. I mean, in the last couple of years, we've had guys like Paul Carey and Cole Schneider and Peter Holland, who were uh, really good, really good AHL players. I assume Vinny Letary is going to sign a new contract and will play for Hartford again. Um, he is. He is already signed, so uh, he's he's already slated with the Rangers. Okay. 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 I wasn't sure if he was already uh, under contract, but uh, Vinny Letary is, is also one of those players that's just not good enough for the NHL, but in the AHL, he's a really good player. He was point yeah. per game last year uh, in his first full season. He had 23 goals in 55 games. Uh, he, just, he, just, he just struggles when he makes the jump up to the NHL, but that's fine. You need those players too, those players that can play on your AHL team and make them better. Because exactly. They, as you said before, it's it's fine to rebuild in the NHL, but if your AHL team on top of that is not winning anything either, then I mean something has to go right in the organization. And I, the ECHL, I I care about even less than than most people care about the AHL. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm you know I I kind of see the ECHL as a glorified junior league. Um, you know, most of these players won't even sniff at the the, the AHL, let alone the NHL. So, no. but um, if if you look at the more the more successful teams over the last few years, like the Syracuse Crunch, the Charlotte Checkers, the Toronto Marlies, um, you you see a trend where where the teams that are successful in the AHL now have have uh, produce more and more quality players for the NHL. Right. And you don't just need high, like high-end prospects. You need, you need more than that in the AHL to make it work. It's, it's, it's literally, uh, it's, 
you want to build your minor team how you build your NHL team. Um, you know, especially if you're in a mode where you haven't won, uh, AHL speaking, you haven't won in, in, in God knows how long. You haven't made the playoffs in six plus years. Um, you know, there has to be something changed if that's the case. I like what they're doing now by bringing in some of these older players, uh, along with, you know, a couple of uh, these new guys, like you were saying before, Joey Keane is going to be probably in Hartford next year. Um, you got other guys coming in like uh, uh, Patrick Newell, um, who had a very good college career. Um, 23 year old. So he's kind of looking at the low end of a prospect uh, at the moment, but you know, he could be a player that uh, can change a scenery in the scoring department. Um, he is a setup man for uh, Northeast last year and, or I'm sorry, St. Cloud state. Um, and, you know, he had his best scoring um, goal scoring uh, year in a senior year. So uh, you have a player who can potentially be a good option at the top six and help uh, a guy like Vinny Letieri maybe score more points um, or even help some of these, uh, you know, younger goal scorers score goals. So you have you have a good option in Newell. Um, but then you also have um, veteran guys like Daniel Regan coming in and uh, most likely will take that top center line spot. Um, oh, Regan is the guy that was drafted by the Sharks, right? Yes. Yep. And uh, who also played for uh, Quinn uh, when he was in college. So, okay. You know, okay. There's also some uh, um, relevance to his his person. Yeah, and, and you know, the familiarity can can help. It can definitely be a positive. But I'm always a bit wary when they start bringing in too many of those type of players. Um, uh, you know, I it's in this case it's just one player, but. Uh, I remember, like under under Vigneault, when 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 Tanner Glass was brought in because AV knew him, and I mean, you, you need to be really careful that you don't you, that you don't bring in players just because they have familiarity with the club. Right. But that Daniel Regan uh, looks like uh, an, an interesting player as well, uh, also on an AHL deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he's actually he was actually on an NHL deal. Oh, he's on an NHL. Oh, okay, so a two-way deal. Okay, oh, I wasn't. I I thought it was also AHL only deal, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how these new guys will do. And like Jake Elmer, who was signed um, by the Rangers, uh, Phil Giuseppe, and uh, of course Greg McKegg, who is one of the best names in in the NHL. That yeah, that name is top-notch uh, enforcer level. Yeah, Greg McKegg is is it. it you know, it, it could be a Bond villain almost. He's one of those names where you would play the NHL, uh, you would play like NHL 20 uh, coming out soon, right? And mm -hmm. uh, you're just making a player and you put a name generator in and Greg McKay shows up, you know? Greg, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like one of those random names for a video game that doesn't have the license. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or they'll start mixing up names like a guy named Sergey, but his last name is Johnson. Sergey Johnson. And he's from like, Estonia. <laughs> Sir, actually, you, you'll laugh about this, but in a few years, there will be a Finnish top prospect named Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert. Yes. You know that then? <laughs> yeah. Finnish top prospect for the 2022 draft, and his name is Brad Lambert. 
Brad Lambert. Yeah. There has to be there has to be some connection to the U.S. There, Canada. Okay, there is some connection. Look, look, I'll, I'll say this: we live we live in a world where Matt Zuccarello is Norwegian, Matt Niskanen is Canadian, <laughs> um, Alex Galchenyuk is American, and Brad Lambert is Finnish. Yeah. If if this is not if this is not like like the United Nations of hockey, I don't know what is. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. Brad Lambert. He uh, his his father played, I think. I don't think he even played in Finland, but he just moved to Finland afterwards. I think his mom is Finnish. That uh, would be the case, yeah. But I mean, Andrei Burakovsky was born in Austria, right? With a Russian name to Swedish parents. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, sometimes these things happen. Um, I, I was going through this a few weeks ago with uh, with a couple of friends. The, the, the weirdest countries, uh, based on place of birth, uh, that NHL players are from. And I think Craig Adams is still top of my list. Who Craig was, Adams. He was born in Brunei. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, of course, Robin Regeer was born in Brazil. Um, oh, did he? I was not sure about that. Uh, goalie uh, Oli Kolzik, born in South Africa. Uh, former Ranger. Yeah. I don't believe you on that one. I'm going to look that one up. So look it up. Look it up. I think it was Joburg. I'm not 100% sure about the city, but I knew he was born in South Africa. Yeah, Johannesburg. There you go. Wow. Um, Andre DeVoe, former Ranger, born on the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he and, was. And of course, one of my all time favorites is uh, Rumun Endur from Nigeria. Right. Mm hmm. And, and uh, it's, it's just good to see hockey being capitalized by so many good countries you know yeah oh we had nathan walker from australia playing for the for the capitals last right. season right um he's still he's still in the nhl he's with the blues now i think could be i think he was claimed off waivers by the oilers and then went on waivers again so he might be he might be with the blues now let's see yeah he's uh, with the blues, but yeah he was hopping around but he's another one he's also got great um he's also uh british too he has uh was born in cardiff Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So born, born in Cardiff. So he's Welsh, um, Welsh by birth. Uh, Leo Komarov, not Russian. <laughs> yeah. Play, plays for Finland, but he was born in Estonia. Yeah. I can talk about this all day, man. So we really could. <laughs> we really <laughs> of course, one of my favorite players in the NHL is Daniel Strong because, like me, he's from the Netherlands. Of course, yeah. Now that he's no longer with the Penguins, I can cheer for him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean Brad Lambert from Finland. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting draft in three years. Where he goes. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see how many people will be uh, a little um, taken back by that. <laughs> oh, it's like the Galchenyuk thing in uh, 2012, I think, when he was drafted. Right. People were like, oh, I cannot believe the Canadians drafted a Russian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's all. That's fine. I mean, I mean, Mike, Michael Del Zotto is Canadian, so right. Um, and and what about all the all the names that end in Chuck? We're all all Ukrainian descent. It's, right. The whole world is a melting pot these days. So it's just uh, it's it's fun to see where players are from. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's growing everywhere. The sport. Ooh, ooh Arthur Kaliev. 
drafted by the Los Angeles Kings in the second round. He was born in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. Right. Grew up in Staten Island, so he's more New Yorker than Uzbek. But um, funny story, I actually spoke to his parents at the draft. We ran into him. Okay. And uh, as a joke, we said, uh, we were really disappointed that the Rangers didn't draft your son. And his mom looks at me and she's like, we're disappointed as well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, maybe if you worked on your skating, you know. <laughs> he was an early second round pick. It's still a pretty good position. No, very good position. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting to see all those different names. And, and you know, I, like I said, I could talk about this for a long time. Danny O'Regan, by the way, born in Germany. Did you know that? Yes, I did. But um, easily came right over to Canada. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, Danny Heatley, born in Germany. But I think he was born on uh, American soil because it was one of the uh, military bases. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, but... Um, do you have anything else you want to discuss while we're uh, while we're recording? Um, specifically on Hartford, or no? I mean, uh, is there anything? Yeah, I know you follow prospects very, uh, very intensively. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, we'll put a little closer on the on the Hartford deal. I know that the the Rangers are trying to. Um, sorry, I'm like chewing while I'm talking at the same time. Um. You know, the Rangers have um, a good idea where Hartford should be rather than, you know, keep, keep losing and uh, creating, you know, negative uh, responses in probably the locker room and, and through the whole department of Hartford. But, you know, you're bringing in guys like Danny O'Regan, like Vince Liberty, keeping competition in net with Tom McCollum. But you also have guys that are going into their second and third years on top of what they've already learned. I think this is going to be a big year, um, specifically for some of these, you know, prospects that they brought in for some time. And you're going to look for them to see a bigger push for them um, this year. Uh, I'm talking about guys like Tim Gettinger specifically. Um, you know, he actually had a pretty decent year despite him, you know, despite most at the end of the year just kind of dropping off um yeah but i mean i mean how much of that drop off was was on the players and how much was just a result of the team completely collapsing that's what i'm saying yeah the team was completely collapsing on top of itself um negative environment you know you, you don't want that with your prospects you want a winning culture you want some nice positive demeanors in in the locker room and uh, at training um so that when they do get called up you know they're already above their own expectations, but they also know where they're supposed to be at. So it, it makes sense to have a winning culture in, in a minor league state so that you can bring this culture onto the NHL team without having to transition in any way. So it, it's good to see, uh, you know, uh, John Davidson and Chris Drury and um the rest of the staff, you know, looking into this development aspect rather than um, just throwing a whole bunch of kids playing in the minors and seeing where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And then looking at last year, you see John Gilmore, who led the team in points, who has now moved on, of course. Right. Um, a second in points was Stephen Fogarty, 
who the Rangers drafted, I think, already eight years ago. Time Who's flies. defensive-minded? He's not, he's not even known for scoring. He's a, he's a two-way center, and he had 52 in 66 games. That's, that's pretty remarkable, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he has a future in the NHL, but if he can be a career AHL player who puts up 0.9 or 0.85 uh, points per game... I think that's a great player to have in your in your a on your exactly, AHL. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Look, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Fogarty. Look for him to be the captain next year. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. And and the reason I wanted to bring up Fogarty is because he was, I think, a third round pick in 2011. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes draft picks don't make it to the NHL, but let's not forget the impact they can have if they are on your AHL roster for five, six, seven, or maybe ten years. Exactly. They can have a huge impact on the development of your younger prospects, which a lot of people sometimes uh, uh, don't realize. Mm-mm. No. He, um, he, he, played, he played in the BCHL for a year after he was drafted and then the four, full four years uh, in the NCAA. So he only signed with us five years after being drafted. But... And not to mention he was a captain at Notre Dame. Yes, yeah, he was, he was, and and he started off a bit slow in Hartford the first two seasons, but I think last season he really found his groove, and and I really hope he can, he can maybe maybe get a few games, you know, near the end of the season, um, but if if he can continue what he's been building on last season, I think he's going to be very valuable for the for the team in Hartford. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, and then of course you have the the fringe guys like Boo Nieves, uh, Greg McKegg, Adam Fox might spend some time in Hartford if he doesn't start in uh, in New York right away. Right. See how um, I see it. I see it right now. Um, you know, obviously things are going to change once tra- training camp starts happening. Once uh, um, preseason starts happening, but you're going to see a lot of players competing this year which is a great call um you know they're leaving room for some of these young kids to come in be a force in the bottom six for the nhl team got some kids trying to make it as uh four five six defender and then you got some kids that you know are looking to dethrone georgia from the backup position so it's it's a great environment to be in you have a whole bunch of opportunities um for these kids to, to take place, um, to take advantage of. And, um, that's, that's very, very good to see, but not yeah. to mention once, once, you know, some of these cuts start getting made, you know, you're going to have a decent core in the minors that, you know, what could actually make a 30 win season, which has, I don't think has happened in Hartford in some time. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, the prospect ranking you mentioned earlier, um, where fans vote on their favorite player for each position on the list. Right. Um, a guy like Tim Gettinger or Gabriel Fontaine, uh, two three years ago, they they would have been close to top ten on that list, and now they're not even top twenty. No. Which well, also which also shows how deep our prospect pool is, and and yeah, of course we we don't have fifteen elite prospects. Nobody does, mm-hmm. but. You have Taco, you have Kravtsov, you have Miller, Lundqvist, Shevchurkin. Um, and and below that, you have like Tier 2, and below that, you have Tier 3. A few years ago, all we had was Tier 2 and 3. Yeah. And Tier 2 and 3 combined a few years ago was eight players. 
Now it's 15 players behind uh, give or take, the top yeah, tier. Give or take, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think that is, that is just a really good management of our front office to just get more players in. And, and we have so many prospects still that, that, we, that, that are unsigned, that are also in the system, like Laurie Payuniemi and, uh, of course, Matthew Robertson, who was drafted this year, and Zach Jones and, and, and Ciccolini. And, and yeah, I know they might not all make the team or they might not all have an impact even in Hartford, but they have so many people in your system. It makes it a whole lot easier to find one of them that will actually work. And I'm glad you mentioned some of those players. Um, I know, uh, you know, going off of that list specifically, I know I have my own prospect ranking list. Um, so my list compared to like what was put up on that board site was uh, is a little off. But like specifically, I have Tim Gettinger actually in the top 20, but not necessarily at 15, more so at like 17. Um, but, you know, you mentioned guys that are going to come in, make a change of scenery for what could be the better for their for their careers. And, um, you know, we'd separate them by these tiers, but you know what? You could see one of these lower tier guys completely excel in this year. We, we, a perfect example could be Tom O'Reilly, who was below the tier three mark two years ago, but excelled in his, um, once he got an opportunity with Luco and mm. immediately became a top 15 prospect for us. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good example. He had an amazing season after he moved uh, to Luko, going from a seventh defenseman in uh, in Turku with TPS to being basically basically a top pair defenseman and playing playing such a stellar season that he even got a call up for the for the men's national team. Exactly. Yeah. And um, you know he's signed now to his ELC, so you'll probably see him in training camp, wanting to win a spot either with the top line of um, Hartford or um, maybe even a spot in the NHL. But, you know, you probably see him go back to Finland, work on his game, make sure he consistently stays in that top um, top pairing. And yeah, and, and in he, yeah, he does, minutes. he does have an Euro- a European assignment clause for his first year, uh, which I think is a good thing because... It gives the Rangers the uh, the secure that like it gives the Rangers the assurance that they have him in the system by signing him now, without having to commit to him necessarily coming over if he doesn't want to. So he can he can do what I wanted him to do in the first place, play at least one more year on the top pair in the Finnish league before coming over, right. uh, while being under contract. So that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Rayonen and Enrikov have had very similar seasons this past year. Mm-hmm. They both started at seventh defenseman on one of the top teams in their in their country. Then they moved to uh, like a six to ten range team, and they they worked their way up to the top pair. And Rikov now is signed a contract. Rayonen signed a contract, and they deserved it. They really worked their asses off. The results were there. They they broke records for defensemen in their age group. Um, I think Rayunanen had the most points by an under twenty two defenseman in Luko history, and that team was established in nineteen thirty six. Right. Um, yeah. So that and just uh, the, the, the the type of season he had. 
Right, yeah, and and to think, Ryunanen at the time of of the draft was supposed to be a first round pick. He was um, supposed to be he, taken in. He was, but he had the herniated disc that held him back. Exactly, his, yeah. So a lot of teams, game. a lot of teams looked at him, thinking, you know, he's not healed, or you know, that's a type of injury yeah. that early in a career that could derail a career. So. Because a year, a year before his draft, he was on par with Oli Levy, who was a top 10 pick by Vancouver in the same year. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, it seems like Reunanen had the better career so far. It looks like Reunanen is going to outperform Levy, uh for, for the remainder of their careers, yeah? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, a great, it's a great pick in hindsight. It was, it was a fourth-round pick, and if one of those players makes it to your team, it's already a win. Absolutely. But what Reunanen has done the last 12 months is truly remarkable. And I think fans need to understand how, how, how good he was. And hopefully they get to see that. Hopefully uh, he, he can prove what he can do. I don't think he, he will be uh, playing in the NHL preseason because the European hockey season starts uh, actually started last week, the preseason. Right, yeah. Their regular season starts in a few weeks. So European players, unless they are under contract and in, and have the intention of staying in North America, they don't really play for the Rangers in preseason. No. Um, and in this case, uh, I mean, there's not really anything speculating that Rayonen is specifically coming over for training camp other than that that one one year. So you could see Rayonen in here for this whole year. Or Rayunanen's going to be, you know, back in Finland. But, um, yeah, you know, he was one that definitely took the opportunity and ran with it. Um, you can say Rickov is the same thing. Actually, I might be uh, as bold to say that Rickov may win a spot over Fox. Uh, oh, I would not be surprised about that at all. Because Rickov comes over from the second best league in the world. Right. And Fox, as good as he was... It's still college, and and not to take anything away from his performance, but the 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 um, the leap is much bigger from college to the NHL. Right. And you know what? I give I give Fox credit as well because not only was he up for Hobie Baker Award this year, um, he actually made it on the American AAHF team. So he he ended up playing in the World Championships for a bit, and um, yeah. So that uh-huh. that's that's very good to see from. A first-year prospect. Um, I actually had a theory about that, um, uh, about Fox playing for the national team at the World Championships in in, in early May. Um, and and this is just a theory. I'm not saying this is true, but to me, it looked like the Rangers traded for Fox early so they could sign him to his contract so he would be. Uh, uh, able to play for the national team because players without a contract don't risk playing for the national team at the world championships for right. potential injuries. Right. And with Chris Drury being the general manager of Team USA and being the assistant general manager for the Rangers, the connection was there. And I just I just got carried away. <laughs> of course. But I was I, I got to the point where I was like, did the Rangers trade for Fox this early so he can play for the national team? And I uh, maybe maybe it's just a coincidence, but it was it was a fun train of thought at the time. So Absolutely. I mean, you, you got to speculate that. You know, it's very easy to speculate that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, he was their best option for a bottom bottom four role. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a great experience for him. 
Um, and I've, there, there have been rumors about Fox and the Rangers ever since he was drafted by Calgary. Right. Um, he grew up in Jericho uh, on Long Island, which is one of the few places I actually visited on Long Island in my life. So, of course. There's nothing to do in Jericho, but I, I, I had a hotel in Jericho. I was staying on Long Island and, you know, got to see the, uh, the cities of Freeport and Baldwin and East Hampton. I went to Montauk and uh, went to Patchogue for the uh, Blue Point Brewery uh, tour. Of course. I've seen a lot of places on Long Island. Uh, but yeah, Jericho is where I stayed in a hotel. It was, yeah, it was, it was right in the middle of like, like the places on Long Island I wanted to visit and the city. So it was, right. in that regard, it was, it was a nice location. But uh, yeah, with Adam Fox being from Jericho, those rumors were there from the beginning. And I don't think anyone was surprised when the Rangers traded for him. But unlike Shattenkirk, this is going to be a win for the Rangers. So... Um... You know, I'll, you know I'll, I'll say this. If the Rangers got Shattenkirk when he was Fox's age, it would have been a success. Most likely. Yeah, I could see that. Because when yeah. Shattenkirk joined us, he was 28. He was 28. He had a, a knee injury. You know, we went, uh, the Rangers went through a rebuild. So, um, you know, it, it just was bad. It, you know, a lot of people will say it was it was Shattenkirk. You know, he didn't step up when he needed to be. I honestly think it was more so bad timing than it was anything else. Uh, uh, Shattenkirk is still a very, very good player. You know, uh, we were saying before we were recording that um, he today signed with the Lightning. So, you know, he's definitely going to be a cog for the NHL for a couple more years. But at the time, you know, there there was nothing really to put with him to help him succeed rather than, you know, the Rangers were in a rebuild and they were just trying to get through games. Yeah, yeah and, and, and Shattenkirk between, like, from, from 2012 until 2017, um, basically had, had five or six seasons where he had more than 40 points. Uh, the lockout season prorated, of course. Uh, but he was he was still a really good player. Just that after he moved to the Rangers, it just didn't work out. There were some injuries, and yeah, I mean, it just it was just it was just a gamble that didn't pay off. Yeah, and you know you're gonna have those in free agency as well. You know, Dan Boyle didn't really pay off when they uh, when they signed mm. him. Um, Yandel did have very good moments with the Rangers, but eventually it was all the same. It just wasn't what they were looking for. It wasn't exactly. what they were missing. And now, now you bring in guys like Truba that is more so... Uh, I consider Truba a better version of McDonough. Um, you know, defensively and offensively. Um, but, you know, you're going to have that top pairing. Is he mm. going to succeed those seven years that he signed for? Hopefully. But those seven years are going to take him into his 30s. And, you know, players start diminishing and uh, once they turn that 30-year-old 30, 30 range. So, um, you, know, Truba... you know who the Rangers could use uh, uh, on the first pair with Truba? Who's that? A 27-year-old Keith Yandel. Um, yeah, you know what? I could, I could really see that. Or um, you can also bring in a player that, that can have offensive instincts and you know, be able to flourish with it. And the Rangers already have one in D'Angelo. So, you know, I would love to see a D'Angelo Truba uh, pairing one of these days. 
two righties together. I mean, Chicago won a cup that way. So uh, I mean, yeah, but uh, you know, there's going to be some. There's going to be some shifting. There's going to be growing pains. Obviously, ah. uh, it's Quinn's sophomore year as as a Rangers coach. So I don't want to say a sophomore slump is on the way, but uh, knock on wood. Um, but you know, Quinn is a little more developed now into what it, uh, his expectations are with the team. D'Angelo was coming in a year after uh, after having a very successful one. Um, you know, you, you could see some movement around that can help the Rangers score more points rather than uh, playing defense all game. So, you know, a D'Angelo Truba uh, pairing, despite the both of them being righties, could be a very good idea. Um, I think it's going to more so be, you know, Truba and Shea. But, yeah, uh, Truba Truba game makes makes a lot of sense uh, because you know they play together at different levels. Right. Uh, they and and I know this doesn't mean anything on the ice, but they're 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 best friends. They they know each other through and through, which could ha- it could be an advantage. It could mean nothing, but the fact right. that they play together already and Brady Shea is our best left-handed defenseman, and and Jacob Truba is our best right-handed defenseman. It just makes sense. Right. And and Truba Shea, I mean, there there's there's a pun in there somewhere. I mean, I I, I think I made that joke a few a few a few weeks ago when we when we traded for Truba, that that Truba Shea would help us win a war. But <laughs> sorry, it's all. <laughs> it's, you know that could catch on very quickly too. <laughs> uh, we will break down walls with the trubachet. Um, trubachet. But uh, it sounds I, like a knife. <laughs> it's it a little like a knife. Did you, but you know what a trebuchet is, right? No. Oh, it's like uh, people would confuse it with a catapult, but it's it's like a some sort of catapult that they used in the Middle Ages to. To sling rocks over okay. walls. Right. Okay. So that that makes sense. You would win a war with a trubuchet. Exactly. You got me on board now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it's interesting to see what's going to happen with uh, with the defense. I'm just the only thing that worries me a little bit is uh, uh, what is Quinn's shelf life. Right. Because we have seen over the last 20, 25 years that coaches don't always don't always last as long as we initially think they will. Um, we we went through this with Rennie and then Tortorella and then Vino. Uh, you need different coaches for different uh, phases of your road to success. Can yeah. Quinn, like Quenville, be that guy that takes you through multiple phases, or is he just is he just this uh, generation's Tom Rennie? Uh, I think he is better than Tom Rainey. Um, I'm, 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 I'm not necessarily talking about how good of a coach he is. I'm just saying if, if the Rangers go from a rebuilding team to a contending team, will David oh, Quinn be able to adapt? Because the style he has now works great with young players, but might not necessarily work when those players are 25, 26, 27, right. when Kako and Kravtsov are the stars of this team. His approach might not work the way it does now. That's, that's what I was going for, actually. I see what you're saying. But I mean, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna. I mean, if Quinn wants to stay as an NHL coach, he's gonna also have to develop that flexibility in his in his schedule. So 
you know, if you, you, you have a team that is fast, big, and hard-hitting, but will this work for a, a player in a scoring mold? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, Panarin was signed to a lucrative deal, well-deserved deal, but is he going to falter, or is he going to, you know, take advantage of the situation that he's in? Um, everybody goes through different coaches, different line mates, different organizational uh, representatives. You know, it's a, it's a whole being that could really yeah. translate into players, coaches, training staff, you know, the whole nine. But, uh, you know, this, this, this debate was going on when Panarin was traded from Chicago to Columbus. Right. And, you know, I think it's safe to say now that Panarin is the superstar that signed that deal. So, yeah. um, he'll, he'll definitely be uh, the top line left winger, um, most likely next to Zabanejad and whoever they have on the other wing, you know, probably Butchnevich. But you can see a guy like uh, Heedle or even Kako. Ederson, Kako. Kako. I mean, if you, if you have, let's say in, in a year from now or two years from now, playing with Zibanejad and Kako on the top line might be, might be the best line that Panarin will play on in the NHL in his career. Most likely. Yeah, I could because really see that. Uh, who did he when have last year? He had... Um, Atkinson, I think. Atkinson as the other wing. But who was the center for them? Was it Felino? or wasn't Felino, right? No... Uh, all right, hold on. Let me pull up my spreadsheet. Because I know that in, in Chicago, he played with Patrick Kane, of course. Oh, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Oh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. Great prospect. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think playing with a 70-point 70, 70 center in Zabanejad and a second overall pick, Capo Caco, who could have easily been the first overall pick this year, Right. Uh, playing with those two players on one line, if that line clicks, it's 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 the best line he's played on during his exactly. NHL career. And Panarin has 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 shown in Columbus that he can carry a line. He has shown that he uh, that you know he can he can dictate shifts. He can win games for you. And he's only 27, and he's only played in the NHL for four years, which is for me the biggest reason why I'm very confident about this. Because playing in the KHL is a lot less of a strain on your body because of the different style of hockey. Right. Um, and, um, you know, you, you go from playing with Patty Kane to Cam Atkinson, you know. And to be honest, you, you had your best careers in Columbus with Atkinson. You know, Atkinson's not necessarily the best playmaker, but mm-hmm. he is solid enough that can help you. In, in, in a situation like Columbus, you know, he was put in Chicago. He wasn't put with the primary, you know, uh, mainstake on, on, on the team. You know, you had Patty Kane, who was the superstar. You know, he was the one that made most of the points. Panarin, was he utilized correctly in Chicago? Maybe not, because you have a, a scenario where Kane... And Teos were, you know, in their primes, putting up 80-plus points a season. You know, Panarin should have been better in that regard. Now, seeing that it was his team in Columbus primarily, he took advantage of that. And you know what? You might need some players that have that uh, confidence in themselves to make a team better rather than being a support player. Um, 
And and you know his his career low in a single NHL season is seventy four. That's his career low. Last season in Chicago too, so that yeah. that's great to see off the get go. That was that was also the year where they were swept by Nashville, I think, in the playoffs. Right. Um, and then in Columbus, he had 80, 80 plus points in in back to back seasons. Um, I mean, the Rangers, aside from from Marion Gabrick, only Zibanejad has hit seventy four points since Yarmir Yager. Right. Which is incredible to see. You know, you 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 need these superstars, and it's it's glad. You know, as a fan, I'm very glad to see Zibanejad turn into this player after being selected seventh overall by Ottawa. And yeah. you know, Ottawa, <laughs> I joke, I like to joke about it, but it, it's it's honestly, it's coming down to a point where Ottawa is going to be the new Edmonton in, in the fact that you know they're going to be getting first overall picks left and right or top picks left and right, and they're not going to succeed for these players, which kind of. It kind of sucks to, to watch because, you know, you're going to get all these players that should turn into budding superstars in the NHL, but bad teams, bad organization reps. You know, if it doesn't gel well with everybody, you're not going to get the right um, production out of your players. So it's good to see Zibanejad turning into what he was supposed to be in Ottawa. And the Rangers are lucky to have him. So, uh, I, you know, in Panarin's case... He feels this was the team he wanted to be with. And, you know, just seeing that what he did in Columbus when it was his team, you know? Yeah. You could see him excel again because now you have the, you have people looking at Panarin. You have people looking at uh, Zabanajad to produce most of these points, which I think is perfect for the Rangers situation because it takes less stress off of Kako. It takes less stress off of Kratzov. It takes less, uh, less stress off of uh, Hedl and Anderson trying to become what they were actually supposed to be drafted for. So, yeah, and, and, and just the arrival of Capo Carco and the emergence of Vitaly Kravtsov has been a blessing for guys like Hedl, Anderson, and Howden. Exactly. Yeah, we're finally getting somewhere with his rebuild, which is exciting. Um, I'm just I'm just happy for I'm I'm just waiting for the season to start. Um it's it's Monday today. Um there's only 43 days before I fly to New York. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot wait, man. I really cannot wait to go to New York and see some preseason games. Yep. Um, um I got to get my tickets and uh we're, we're definitely going to meet up in in the city. Of course, we definitely need to grab a beer somewhere. Definitely no. It's been too long in the waiting. Exactly, exactly. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, by the way, before we uh, before we uh, tie a, a, a knot onto it and end it? Um, you know, I, I think the Rangers are in a very good spot. Um, you know, uh, I think NHL Network is doing their t- their thirty one and thirty one days, um, where they review most of their uh, what teams have done this off season, who they brought in, who they lost. Um, both player-wise and organizational-wise. So you're going to see the Rangers on that very soon. But, you know, I think they're going to talk about something similar to the fact that, you know, this rebuild has presented itself in the best way possible for the Rangers, getting a top-two pick in Kako, building with these many first-rounders that they once didn't have, and, you know, creating a good organizational depth with Kratsov, 
with Keandre, with Hedo, with Anderson, with Lundqvist. Um, you know, there, there's and and you're gonna have players like Morgan Barron, who's who's you know creating his own path within the fans. I think you're gonna also see a similar thing with um, with Nick jo- or uh, um, Zach Jones. Zach Jones, yep. Um, I think that he's going to be a player that a lot of a lot of Ranger fans are going to absolutely be in love with, because um, he's a, he's going to be a true freshman with UMass Amherst, a team that came out of nowhere uh, until you know Kale Kale McCarr was on the team that 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 brought him to the the Frozen Four this year, and you know what they're they're really building off of that. Zach Jones is going into a great situation to kind of replace what Kale McCarr did. Um, is he Kale McCarr? No, but he could develop into a good Tory Krug type player, uh, someone that's a little hard nosed and can throw the puck on net. Um, I think a lot of Ranger fans are sleeping on Eric Ciccolini. Um, he was—I don't think most Ranger fans realize what they have in him. He was the MVP of his junior team, of his league. He put up 60-some up or 40-some up points. I'm about to pull up his profile now so I have the right information. But, um, you know, in the seventh round, you're picking up a right big right-handed uh, right winger who put up 62 points in 48 games. Now, now what, what, what league was that? OJHL. Now, granted, the OJHL is not necessarily uh, a league known for um, producing NHL players, but they do produce very solid NCAA players. And the fact that um, Ciccolini was a point-per-game, way above point-per-game player in the season and was a point-per-game player in the playoffs, not to mention in the seventh round is going to be a true freshman this fall in Michigan. You know, there, this, this could look like a real big steal down the road. And he has offensive gifts everywhere. Um, he can skate with the puck uh, from end to end. Stick control is 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 something I haven't really seen out of like a seventh rounder in some time. The Rangers really jumped on, I guess you could say uh, a late faller. But mm-hmm. you know, based off of his production and video that you you've seen off of him, he doesn't look like a seventh round pick at all. He looks more like a fourth or third. So. The Rangers really capitalized in their in this draft as a t- uh, as a whole. Um, so Ciccolini, I, I I can definitely see having a good year to start. Um, he's going to Michigan. They're gonna have a couple of uh, NHL prospects on their team. Like, uh, um, oh, I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, Cam York is going there. Um, they also have a guy. Uh, I can't think off the top of my head. It's um, uh, John Beecher. Um, okay. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So he's gonna be in a situation that'll help offensively. He's gonna he's gonna be paired with. Uh, and now Beecher is a prospect for the Bruins that basically bases his game off of his speed. Ciccolini has that same base speed that Beecher has. So you're gonna see Beecher on the one uh, on the one wing, and then you're gonna have Ciccolini on another potentially being put with whoever they have at center. But, you know, if you have Beecher on one wing, you're, or even at center, because Beecher can play center. Um, yeah. Even if you have Beecher at wing or center and have Ciccolini on the other wing, you're going to see a big point production from him. 
You know who uh, who holds the single season point record in the uh, OJHL, by the way? Who's that? Adam Oates. Adam Oates. There you go. So, how many points was that? Well, did... one hundred and sixty-nine in forty games. Now, okay, that's that's, that's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> That's that's that's, that's over um, four points per game. Yeah, that's obvious yeah. domination. Um, uh, uh, some other players that came through the OJHL are Brandon Perry and Zach Hyman. So it's it's not it's not unheard of. No. Of course, for a seventh round pick, it's a long road to get there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, for it's a seventh round pick. I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep over a seventh round pick. No, I'm not either. But I'm basically stating that the the Rangers really capitalized on their their NCAA prospects this year, and uh, they I'm looking forward to seeing them play this year. I think uh, Ciccolini is going to have a similar trajectory like Barron is having. Yeah. Um, so so aside from Kako, who is your favorite? player the Rangers drafted this summer? My favorite I mean, yeah, Kako, Kako is very easy to, you know, say right off the bat. Um, but I'm very excited to see what uh, Levy Altman can do. Um, yeah, I know that's your, your favorite player of the, of the yeah, 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 I mean, I, I thought he was going to be a third-round pick. So getting, I, mean, I also, I thought he was a second-rounder. I won't lie. Getting I thought he was getting the fifth, I was, I was thrilled. I got to meet him when I was at the draft. He's a great kid. Yeah. I, can't, I cannot wait to fly to Finland to see him play for a couple of games. Right. He is definitely my, my, my favorite pick. Uh, of course, Kako, but aside from Kako. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's close between Levy Altonen and Zach Jones. Um, yeah, I could agree. Uh, Levy Altonen, uh, you know, I think most Ranger fans can, you know, I think it's easy to jump on comparisons between him and Haglin, but I think it's a little different. Haglin doesn't really have offensive prowess. Levy, or, Levy or Levy, I, I don't know how you pronounce it, but... Uh, Levy. Levy. Levy, okay, so Levy Altonen yeah. um, has... A very underrated sniping ability. I wouldn't say shot, but he has a very rated, underrated sniping ability. He can rip a puck at the top of the circle and go bar down, and the goalie wouldn't even know what happened. Now, with that, I'm more focused on his two-way play. He is a speedster and a half, uh, and he likes to hit. He likes to play the body, and you know he has that bit of edge to his game. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a late add. Uh, onto Finland's uh, uh, World Junior team. But uh, he's got to have a good season in Liga um, for him to be recognized. And, uh, you know, I think he's in a situation where he could turn out a solid post-draft um, season. Um, yeah. He's with Kalpa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he had a couple of games last year with them, but in their Junior A t- uh, squad was above PPG. So, yeah. Um, He's he's uh, he's gonna be those type of players that'll base his game around his speed, and that's something good, especially on the bottom six for an NHL team. So I could see him, hopefully, being not a bottom sixer in the NHL. I see him more as a middle six, but he's a very good uh, get in the fifth round. And uh, like you said, you had him in the third. I had him in the second rounder. So um, this is a very good add from, from a falling talent. Yeah, um, but they they really. They really did well in this draft. Matthew Robertson was a good pick where it was. He was ranked in like the late first rounder. Um, could turn like 
uh, Kurt could turn into a stall type player uh, with more offensive ability. Um, you know, Zach Jones is a great pick in the third round, you know, rookie of the year in the USHL. Um, Carl Henriksen, I, I didn't really like Henriksen in his showcase this uh, in a couple of, uh, a couple of days ago. But, you know, he's looking like a player that can be a good support playmaker for a sniper on the wing. And uh, he played in the summer showcase with Ray, uh, Lucas Raymond and uh, Alexander Holtz, who were both top 10 picks so far in the 2020 draft. Um, you know, Henriksen shows playmaking ability. He also shows, um, you know, a little bit of edge. He digs in the corners and whatnot. Um, he's going to have a big year in Philanda. Um, who was the other player? There was another one that I'm thinking of. Adam Edstrom. Adam Edstrom. Now, this is the one I know least about. Oh, and Hunter Skinner, too. Um, Adam Edstrom, I think, is a good bet in the sixth round. He's a big body who is not slow, which is great to see. Exactly, yeah. yeah. For, for, for the way he's built, he's, he's surprisingly fast. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going to need that. Could he be a Brian Boyle type? That's a good comparison at the moment. Um, he's also no more known for his scoring touch than he is playmaking, but, uh, he's one of those that's going to be, uh, on a team with another Ranger prospect, Jacob Ragnar, uh, Ragnarsson, mm-hmm. um, in Rogel. So, you know, he could be in a situation where, uh, he could play big pro minutes, not necessarily on a top line, but you need that in, uh, in an 18 year old. So, um, that's also good to see. Hunter Skinner is looking like a good offensive threat, um, but he needs work on his all-around game, and I think he's going to be the biggest project out of all the picks that were taken this past year. Um, but he's going to a good feeder program with London, and I'm very happy he's going the OHL route rather than the college route because um, he's not overly physical, but he will hit the body. Um, his focus is more so offensive than it is defensive, so... The Rangers did good this draft. Um, we're looking forward to the 2020 draft and what they can do off of this. Um, this draft is also looking into a good top 10, top 15 players who can make a change almost immediately. So, yeah, yeah. And, and earlier I spoke to Greg, and my expectation is that the Rangers will have a top 10 pick in the 2020 draft because... Adding Panarin and Truba, yes, makes you better, but you're losing Hayes and Zuccarello for a whole season, and you have to hope for all your prospects to to chip in to at least be an improvement. But you'll right. be an improvement based on a team that was sixth from the bottom. So does that? It doesn't necessarily make you a playoff team. We had a lot of games we lost in overtime. A lot of those loser points. Yeah. Are we going to be able to stretch those games out and and? and reach overtime as many times as we did last season. So there's a lot of question marks, and I don't think it's necessarily a given that we are going to be in the hunt for the playoffs. Um, I, I don't mind that, actually. I, I prefer to have another top 10 pick and do this rebuild the right way. Right. But we'll see what happens. Um, you also got to take into mention that despite VZ not being you know, a key contributor to the Rangers, you know, he did put up, I want to say, 16 or, or, or some odd goals. I actually forgot about VZ. He's he's that one player that you always forget about, you know, when you make exactly. like a lineup. It's like, oh, oh, shit, there's VZ. I right. forgot about him. 
I forgot about but him. Up, um, yeah, we, we, we traded him away for a draft pick. So that's another player that's, what, 35 points he had? Uh, 35, 17 goals, yeah. So that's 35 points, 17 goals. He was, he was a couple of bounces away from a 20-goal season. Exactly. You have to so, replace that, too. Right. So yeah. you're, you're going to have to lean on some of these prospects, uh, Heedle, Anderson, Howden. Um, you, you want more production out of uh, Nemesnikov and Strom. Oh, 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 oh. Strom was shooting over 20%. Let's, right. let's, let's not forget that. I mean, he, if he can shoot at the same percentage, we should be lucky. Right. Do not be surprised if Strom's goal totals uh, is closer to 10 than it is to 20. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Um, so that, that's another thing you have to, you have to sort of, you know, uh, you, you have to uh, uh, account for. You know, the right. goals that Strom will probably... Uh, the goal amount for Strom that will probably drop because his shooting percentage will go down. Uh, what we trade Kreider midseason? That's another player that that you don't have on the team for a whole season. If if they trade Kreider, now I'm I'm a if firm believer. I'm a firm believer that I think the Rangers will try to get a contract done. But seeing that you know rumors right now are basically stating stating that uh, the two sides aren't talking, makes it sound like they're going to trade him at the deadline. It sounds a lot like the Superello situation a year ago. Right. But they're going to be in cap hell next year. So you also want to take into consideration that, you know, Kreider is definitely going to look for a pay raise. Um, and, and he's going to want term. So, and Gordon, Gordon is not the type of GM that gives term to any player. I mean, look, right. look at Jack Kirk, you know, as bad as, as it has turned out for us. It could have been worse. It was only a four-year deal. Right. Um, Zuccarello moved to Minnesota where he got a six year deal. I'm 99% sure that Gordon was not going to give him a six year deal. No, I'm so, not. And, and I'll be honest with you Minnesota is one of those teams that is faltering really quick. Um, they have no identity. No, so, I mean, it's, we actually talked, spoke about this earlier as well. Minnesota is like the, the coal slaw of the NHL. You know, they're, they're, they, yeah, they, 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 you know, they never make noise in the playoffs. They're never bad enough to, to, to get a draft pick. You know, a dessert is a high draft good. pick and a steak is being a contender. And they are just a coal slaw. They're there on the table and nobody ever eats it. <laughs> That's, I love that comparison. That's a great one. Yeah, so they're, they're always in the middle of the pack. They're right. they're like they're just that team that that is there to to you know to to fill up the division. Yeah, but I mean you know uh, uh, you know Zuccarello was a great contributor to the Rangers, and you know I was sad to see him traded. Uh, but you have to move on, like you said before with um, with um, oh shoot, I forgot who, who oh San Jose. Um, you know, times are changing. Minnesota just needs to get on top of that. But uh, for the Rangers, you know, everything's going well. They picked up, I think, a better playmaker in Panarin than they did with Zook. Um, and you know what? I I I see Kako contributing right away. I don't think he's going to put up sixty or seventy points like some people say he will. Um, I think it's going to be more so between the forty and fifty range. A little bit better than Svechnikov is what I expect. I would say, yeah, I would say the same. I think uh, I think a little better of what Svechnikov put up. Um, Svechnikov had I think thirteen or twenty goals and seventeen assists for yeah, thirty. Exactly. I think actually Kako will put up more goals because he's going to be paired with Sabanajad and uh, Panarin. Panarin. 
Yeah. And even yeah. then he might he will most likely be put up with Butch. So um yeah. I think I think Kako is in a great spot. I think Kravtsov is also in a great spot if he makes the team. Um he'll also put up at least 35, 40 points. I mean that if if he hits 35 in his rookie season, to me that is a huge win. Yeah. Uh, that kid coming over from Russia. He is determined, man. Like like I told you earlier, I've met him a few times and and when you talk to him, you can see that he has one goal. You know, he right. just wants to make it. And he comes from he comes from a family with a lot of international ties and and his sister uh, lives and studies in Toronto. Uh, his his dad uh, um, has a lot of international connections. And you can you can see you can you can see you can tell when you when you talk to him that he, he has had that uh, that mindset of I want to make it in the NHL. Um, yeah. he, when he was playing for Traktor last season in the KHL, he was he was talking a lot to guys like Ryan Stoa and Nick Nick Balen because he wanted to improve his English. And the first time I met him was in September, and the last time I saw him was I think in March. And the difference in those six months was huge in right. in terms of his pronunciation. And he's just he's so excited to be in New York and. And I think I think he has the dedication you need to to make it work. I agree. Yeah, and uh, it's already good to see that he's doing interviews in English and in the whole yeah. night. So yeah, exactly, exactly. And it shows that he wants to develop. It shows that he wants to learn. Yeah, and and and, and that's that... something that that. And I think John Davidson mentioned it too that you can see that this kid wants to be here. Yeah, um, and and contribute right away. So. Um, Kratsov, I, I can see being a very good um, player for, for the Rangers for a long time. Now, will he be a top sixer this year? I don't think so. I think he's going to have time on the third line role, too. Um, but, you know, you're going to be put with players like Butchnevich. You're going to be put with players like, um, you know, Hedl, Anderson, Howden, um, and even Lemieux. We can't, we can't forget about Lemieux. Um, Brendan Lemieux had pretty much succeeded what he was doing in his short time with the Rangers than he has with Winnipeg and in his entire career. And this is only going to be his third year in the NHL. Yeah. So um, it's, it's very good to see that, you know, he, he put up six points in 19 games, but when he was with Winnipeg, he put up 11 and 44 and he only had one and nine. So, you know, the change of scenery is looking good for Lemieux and he looks like a player that could pot in some goals uh, if playing with the right players. So um, Kravtsov centering, I'm going to place him as a center because I think he will actually have a couple of games at center. Um, I could definitely see him centering uh, a line between uh, Butch and Lemieux uh, or even on a wing for a guy like Heedle, Howden or Anderson. So um you know these these kids are gonna have have time here to, to show what they can do, and you know I also don't think the Rangers will make the playoffs, but I think they'll be damn near close to it. Um, and top ten pick this year, I might not say top ten pick. I would hope it's a top ten pick if they are indeed out of the playoffs, but I could see them being in that ten to fifteen range. Okay. But I mean that that's again that there's a lot of ifs to that. If Lundqvist can perform, if Georgiev can perform, if Shesterkin could eventually take on both of them and perform. 
Um, and then also having Heedle, having Anderson. First off, Anderson make the team for a longer amount of time. Uh, and then have all three of them, Howden, Heedle, Anderson, to surpass their point totals in previous years. Um, and you know what? You got a good center in Booney Evis that could be, you know, that fourth line cog and still be able to put up some points. So they're in a good situation. Um, they definitely improved the defense. Um, their offense could use some work still, but, um, you know, the, the main the main component right now, I think, is their goaltending. Their goaltending is strong. But, you know, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to have all three contributing at the right times. And, you know, they're very near, they're very close to it. So uh, it's looking very good for them. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting for Ranger fans with everything that's going on and all the changes that have happened. Uh, I mean, the, the, last, the last year or so. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's, uh, what's going to, ah, Kako, 40, 50, maybe close to 60 points. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm just really, really excited for the season to finally get underway and see all our young kids and follow them all over Europe and see the kids that are with the Rangers now. And right. probably for the first time in many years, actually focus on Hartford. Maybe I'll even, maybe I'll even cough up the money for, uh, for the AHL TV package again. Um, you know what? It really is a good package. What was it? Seventy dollars, I think, for the whole year, right? Something so, like that. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's worth it if you if you have seventy dollars to spend on the whole package. Um, you're gonna get you're gonna get a very good quality video. Now, I mean, some of the games are gonna be shitty audio wise, but hopefully they they fix that aspect. But I, even if you're not looking for Hartford, you can go watch a couple of the. AHL games of uh, some other teams that have some uh, nice stars on the. If web. I remember correctly, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms have like this whole HD setup. Yeah. Yes, they so, do. Yeah. I I really hope that uh, the Rangers will invest some money in that for the Wolfpack games as well because. Well, I mean, yeah, I think they need to. If you're gonna revamp the team like you are right now. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You, you're. I think you're gonna want to show your fan base what this team is bringing to the table. Um, you know, again, going back to what I was saying before, some of these guys that might not get the chance with the Rangers will have big years in Hartford. They have a couple of veterans now that can actually score goals, put up points. So uh, a good mesh between the, the the developing kids and the veteran players, um, along with two pretty solid goaltenders and net um you know what hartford is really looking like something else uh on paper at least so um yeah both both teams are looking good from the start i'm really enjoying the um the the no block hire um gord murphy hire as well um both oh, gord, gord murphy we didn't even mention him but he's the uh, assistant coach of course yes that they yeah. hired this week Yep, and he was another um, he was another assistant um, when Noblock was an assistant uh, in Philadelphia. So they have connections together. Um, well, you know, with with, with all with all the flyer coaches they're hiring, maybe maybe they'll bring AV back one day. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> um, I don't think so with their with their young crew right now. So, Vignal. Nah. <laughs> Vigneault seems like a great 
great guy, but his coaching uh, techniques are way different than what the Rangers are uh, projecting to be. Yet. You know, he his shelf life expired, and and he was there to to get the Rangers over that final hump for that final push towards winning the cup. He got us to a cup final. He got us to a conference final. We 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 finished uh, uh, three seasons with a hundred points. Right. It, it wasn't. I mean, I, I know he gets a lot of a lot of uh, crap for for some bad decisions, but it wasn't all bad. It I mean, wasn't. That, all, no, it really wasn't. There's a lot of good memories I have from the uh, Alan Elaine Vigneault years. Right. But based off an identity, the Rangers didn't really have it under him. So you know what? There, with all the good, there is some bad. It wasn't a flawless uh, coaching career with the Rangers. Oh. So, but it, it, it wasn't it wasn't as horrible as people make it out to be either. No, it was still bad, but it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Yeah. Um, Quinn right now is is creating an identity which is perfect. Um, with his assistants, uh, you know, um, Darren Oliver had uh, what seemingly looked like a good connection between all the players. Same with Greg Brown, um, primarily with all the Boston uh, connections. Um, the only odd one that looks like, you know, it could be the odd man out is Lindsey Roth. Yeah. Another one that, you know, his shelf life is coming to an end a bit, but, um. Lindsey Ruff is, is probably on his way out. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing that too, but, you know, with this change in, in defensive core, um, it, you know, it's kind of like a restart button, a refresh button. So that, you know, let's see what, what Lindy can do with this defense. And um, and Greg Brown can, can work with this defense. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. Maybe Lindy will have another job. Maybe he'll stay with the Rangers, you know. Um, this this year is, is – I don't want to say it's a year for rebuilding. I think it's going to be a year for growing pains. Um, these, these kids are going to walk into their first season, you know – not really gaining any chill life yet let them you know go through these um you know couple of months to learn and then that'll obviously project towards their their nhl career some of these guys that have been here for some time you know they've already had their notes on their rookies and and sophomore seasons so um it's now a learning curve for them it's 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 going to be growing pains for everybody to gel in together with what the Rangers are trying to do. And um, so far, it's looking really good. Yeah, and uh, if you if you had to compare the rebuild to like a house, I think we built a foundation. We we have some stuff in there already. It's it's good enough to live in, but we need to uh, we need to get it to that, that next level where it's where it's going to be a dream house. Right. Yeah. You got to want that that 4K fridge, the 4K television. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, like, like, like I said earlier with Greg, you know, the, the Shatnikov buyout is basically the, uh, the old couch that nobody wants. So you have to put it in the basement for now until you can throw it out. Exactly. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare Shatnikov to an old couch, but you got the point, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to compare, compare it to something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the buyout is going to hurt next year with that $6 million cap hit, but exactly. it is worth it. Uh, so uh, one last question from me to you then. Uh, where do you see Hartford finishing this season? Um, because they have only made the playoffs, I think, once out of the last seven years. Yes. 
um, that and that was when they were the Connecticut Whale. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, that was that was a big. That was a big ass market. You know, uh, uh, the less we say on that, the better, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I I like their logo. It's it was a bit childish, but uh, the color combination was fun. But it just it didn't it didn't work for anyone. No, it didn't work at all. Um, They were trying to bring back the whalers, and it and they didn't. Yep, they fell flat. But I mean. Uh it's good. It's a good rebrand. Um, do I think the Rangers will stay in Hartford? I don't think so. I think they'll end up making a move somewhere else. But for now, uh, they're in Hartford. They're changing the scenery. It's looking good right now. I yeah. think um, I think Daniel Regan's going to be a very good get. Um, Zolner Chuck will also be a good get forward-wise. Um, I think Shesterkin, if he is indeed the starter down there, will put up good numbers. Um, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go bold. I'm going to say they're a playoff team. I'm going to say, though, they might go to round two unless Shesterkin stays the whole year and stays on top the whole year. If Shesterkin can be Shesterkin with SKA, mm-hmm. I could really see them pushing for the Calder. But there's a couple of pieces that need to be fit up on um, forward and defense that need to get addressed beforehand. You know, you're going to have guys, um, you're going to have uh, Rickov potentially down there, Lindgren potentially down there, um, Keen as a first year. Is Sean Day going to be the Sean Day of the second half or the Sean Day of the first half? Um, same with Crawley and Radish. Are they going to stick with the team? Uh, Rayunin, and I'm not really considering at this point because I have a feeling he'll go to Finland. Um Defense could use another forward. Now, Laverde is a good top-pairing shutdown that could put up some offense. And if Latiri obviously stays as a forward in, in Hartford, you know, there's some there's some components that, that could make or break points for, for Hartford. Um, I actually see Meskinen having a better year. Um, I see Gettinger having a better year. I see Fontaine being more defensive-minded than offensive, and you got Fogarty, so, um, yeah, you got a whole bunch of, yeah, you got a bunch of guys that look like they can produce, but we'll see. I think Hartford will be a playoff team this year, um, but it bases off of their forward core, the defense, and obviously the goaltending to really put them to the Calder Cup yeah. uh, discussion. Um but yeah, no, they have a bunch of guys that, that look like that can have good years. So I'm 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 optimistic for Hartford to have a good year. Let's let's hope it uh, uh, it 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 injects some new life into the Hartford Wolfpack and and gets people interested in it again. Because yeah, hopefully year. hopefully it'll fill up some seats. Um, yeah. I know I went to a couple of Hartford games last year and it was practically empty. So, um, uh, and, and you know what to to mention real quick. Um, I have my girlfriend who lives in Springfield, Mass. at the moment. So um, whenever I go and visit her, you know, she's in Springfield. So I catch a bunch of Thunderbird games. And then Hartford is about 20, 25 minutes away from Springfield. So we'll go catch a Hartford game once, the, uh, once in a while. And I'll tell you what. The Springfield Thunderbirds were sold out every time that they played a game. But they played a game that was entertaining. Hartford played a very 
inconsistent game, which I could definitely see why those seats weren't filled um, whenever we went to Hartford. Um, but when we went to Springfield, yeah, those fans were insane. <laughs> um, and, you know, it showed because Springfield was a better team than Hartford. So I, I, I like where they're going with, with Hartford at the moment. I think they're going to have some key components that will help fill up seats and, and, and you know, create a, a culture again with them. They are the uh, Florida Panthers affiliate, right? The Springfield Thunderbirds? Yeah, yeah. And uh, before that, they were uh, Columbus. So, you know, okay. they, they've been bounced around a couple of times. But, um, you know, Springfield is a very, very nice city. Um, it could be cleaned up a little bit. But once you have a culture there, it's filling up fans. Uh, it's filling up fans' hopes to, to you know, mm -hmm. want to go out to these games. And they have deals that you know you can't really pass up on they have this i think three two one deal um if you buy tickets for a springfield thunderbird game on a friday or whatever um you get like a two free hot dog drink so you really don't even need to buy food anything so, that's that's pretty good yeah um they, they're doing it right with their fan base so uh you know hartford as a whole it's it, they're getting there. So as a team, they're, I think they'll contend. Um, we'll see what they can do to fill in those seats. But I'll um, I'll tell you a random fact about the Springfield Thunderbirds and the Hartford Wolfpack. Then all right, uh, I know one player who plays for the Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, his name is Patrick Bykoff, uh, okay. and I, I met him in 2015 when I went to an Everett Silver Tips game. I was visiting friends in Seattle. And we went to a Silvertips game, and he and Dawson Liedahl were injured that game, and they were sitting next to me in the stands. No kidding. Yep. And now Dawson Liedahl plays for the Wolfpack, and Patrick Bykoff played for the, plays for the Springfield Thunderbird. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm actually happy you mentioned Bykoff, because he's one of those players that um, isn't really going to produce scoring-wise, but he'll produce on the... Uh, antagonizing side, if that makes sense. So he's one of those players that makes fa uh, makes fans excited to watch him. So um, he's similar to like Lemieux, where he's not really producing points, but he's producing on the entertainment catalog. So um, maybe Hartford needs a couple more of those guys. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's 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 interesting to see. Uh to see what's going to happen. I mean, I've, I've said it before, but that the season cannot start uh, start soon enough. I mean, it's it's still it's still so many weeks away. But uh, just talking about this it get, gets me all excited. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we filled I think in total more than two hours for this episode. So um, yeah, it, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, before we end it? Um. No, no, I pretty much uh, said what I needed to say. I'm looking forward to a good year in the Rangers' uh, growing pain season. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm looking forward for Hartford having, um, you know, a better, hopefully, let's say that they're above 500. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm looking for some of their newer guys to develop well and, and have big years. So uh, the Rangers are on the right path. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that bear in New York in uh, September. Right. Yeah. I, we will. We will definitely. We'll. We'll definitely schedule that. Um, right. 
you're you said you were doing the Islander and Devil game, right? At MSG. Uh, Devils game at MSG, then the Devils game in New Jersey, then the Flyers game in Philly, and then the Islanders game at Man- at Madison Square Garden. Yes. I got you. Okay. And a Yankees um, game on Friday. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, you got to get. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're going to a Yankee game. Um, you know, the Yankee Stadium is pretty pretty nice. So um, it's I've it's been definitely built for the Winter Classic, so I have to go to Yankee Stadium now. Very nice. Yeah. Yankee Stadium is, is just a ton of history with that. Mm. And not to mention the Yankees are playing very well. But I'm a Met fan. I'm going through my whole spiel with them. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. The, <laughs> the not Met. too hot. But, I mean, you know what? They're pushing for a wild card. So. You know, as, as a Dutch guy, I could actually go for the Mets because they play in the old Dutch colors of orange and blue. Oh, uh, of course. So you got a little bit of national. Uh, national um, feel for them i actually thought that the mets play in orange and blue because that's the city of new that's the flag of the city of new york um i guess you can put that but someone told me that the mets play in orange and blue to because orange is from the new york giants and blue is from the brooklyn dodgers who were baseball teams in new york before they moved to california you know what i think i that is more I think of a truer statement than it is with the national, the colors, <laughs> um, but you know what? I, you know what? I wouldn't put it past you. Um, that I really don't know the, the whole origin of the mess. Uh, but. I picked the Yankees because Didi Gregorius is Dutch, just like me, Sir Didi. Oh yeah. I forgot. About he was that, actually, yeah. he was actually knighted in the Netherlands after he won the uh, baseball world cup with the national team in 2011. See, that's so cool. <laughs> No one in America has that. You pretty much have LeBron. <laughs> he was actually he he was actually knighted by the Queen in 2011. That's so cool. That's so cool. They usually reserve that honor for uh, athletes that win Olympic gold in either the summer or the winter games. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. since this was such a big deal with the Netherlands winning the baseball World Cup, which nobody ever saw coming, um, he and a bunch of his teammates were knighted by the Queen. That's crazy. It's a pretty great story. Absolutely, yeah. So for any Yankee fans listening, here's a story about Didi Gregorius being knighted by the Queen in 2011. Of course. I love, All right. these, I love these useless facts. They're so cool. Oh, <laughs> it's so much fun having beers with me then because I am just a, a rambling machine of useless facts. Right. I'm, I'm prepared to uh, not go to work the next day because I just want to pick your brain a lot, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sometimes it just you know I get bored and I just go to Wikipedia and start browsing and uh, I started this 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 challenge where where someone mentions a random thing on Wikipedia and you have to get there within five redirections from a random page. <laughs> so That's I would crazy. say, for instance, uh, uh, let's say. Um, uh, uh, Bordeaux, which is a city in France, and you click on a random article on Wikipedia, you have to get from that random article to the city of Bordeaux Wikipedia article within five clicks. <laughs> That's nuts. It's a pretty interesting challenge. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, the useless facts, I'll, uh, I'll have some waiting for you when we meet up in September. I'm done. I can't wait to hear them. All right. Well, thank you for uh, for joining us and giving us some insight in, uh, on the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, of course. And uh, yeah, if this episode is a success, I'm sure it will be.
um i'm pretty sure we'll, uh, we'll ask you to come on again i hope you enjoyed it uh yeah i had a great time thanks for having me uh looking forward to the next time we talk all right i'll uh, i'll talk to you soon and uh to our listeners thank you for listening and uh we'll have a new episode ready for you next week